Yes. How, how you doing there, hotshot? Oh, hey, you're here. How are you, buckaroo? <laughs> God. Isn't it fun recording just after these games end? Is that a good thing for our audience or is it a bad thing? In one way, they get complete, like, raw, it just happened analysis when they're listening to it on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah. Is that a good thing? Or do they want on Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday kind of thoughtful, mm. pensive, oh. you've kind of given it some time to simmer? Yeah, sure. What do they want? What do, what do people want from us? What do they want from me? <laughs> I'd rather talk uh, about Dallas, a show I didn't watch for 45 well, that minutes. That I could do. I the, could do. I could do. I could do many podcasts. <laughs> I on know. Dallas. I don't know. I don't know. I, I blame some of this on you. I was thinking about it on the way over, because you love doing that thing where you go, look, the Seahawks have six opponents left. They all have bad records. That's Mr. Playoffs. Yeah. Five out of six are I at home. Yeah. You do that with the Mariners yeah. too. Twenty-eight yeah. out of thirty have this. Yeah. It's Every numbers. time. It's statistics. It doesn't mean anything. They're fighting for it's their lives. It's a crappy it's team. Percentages. It is, yes. You don't want me to do that anymore? Well, you don't want me to give you the percent? It's percentages. How did that work? No, no, no one ever said to you that they're definitely going to win the Raiders game. <laughs> I know, but why it even? Just set, it just sets up. It sets up a certain way. You give yeah. the percentages. They may win a game down the stretch that they're not supposed to win. Yes. Not if they play like this. Yeah, when's but, that going to happen? But what are we to do? <laughs> You know, on Monday when we do the when we used to do the KJR show, oh, you did the game. Yeah, I did a, sh a sh show for a few years. Okay, um, the game would end at four o'clock on a Sunday, yeah. and then I'd have from four o'clock on a Sunday uh -huh. till six a.m. on a Monday. Yeah, so 16, 14 hours. Yeah. Just to subside a little bit. Right. Pat, patch up the hole in the wall where you threw the remote. Right. You have time right, to do right. that just, kind of stuff. Just yeah. subside. Right. Just, gotcha. just let it sink in. Mm -hmm. And then I go on the air on Mondays at 6 a.m. And I often say it's a really good thing that we're doing this show 14 hours later <laughs> instead of because I might lose the radio station's license if we had to do it right after the game ended. And then some people would say, well, actually, we wish we could hear it right after that. So I don't yeah. know. What do you what do you want from me, Hotshot? <laughs> I don't I want to go home. I don't want anything from you. <laughs> well, I, I, I think I think people like this reaction. I, I think they because they want to feel they want to feel how you really feel. They don't want they, they don't want it to settle in and worry about the stations. Yeah, like, but, they don't but, want any of that. Yes, they would tell us how you feel. They would want that if they were listening to this on Sunday night. Right. Live, like but as do, we record. Right. Yeah, yeah. Do they want that? When they listen to this, you know, at a coffee break or during lunch yeah. on Monday or, you know, some people are going to listen to this on Tuesday or Wednesday. They're going to be like, True. what are they all fired up about? It happened two days ago, for God's sake. <laughs> moved on to the Panthers. Ah! Give me a scouting report. Well, and why do I care so much? Yeah, I know. I mean, honestly. Like, why do I care so much? It's the stupid defense mechanism that all sports fans have, but. What did we expect from this team? I mean, we, we're talking playoffs, I guess, but did we really think this was a really no, good team? No, don't go team? there. We didn't think it was a really good team, though. They had two weeks. Why are we doing this? This is like no, segment true. one. Yeah, they so had two weeks after the game in Germany. Yeah. After they got kind of embarrassed in Germany. I would agree. Kind of exposed in Germany, especially, mm -hmm. especially the run defense. We blamed it on the field. Right. I said, I'll throw it out with the bathwater or whatever the, the, the expression the is. The baby out with the bathwater. I'll throw the baby out with yeah. the bathwater. You're not water. supposed to, actually. But I'll, just, yeah. I'll just throw that one out the window <laughs> yeah. because it was Germany. It was weird. It yep. was a bad field. We'll just throw that out. They got, embar they got embarrassed against Tampa two weeks ago, mm -hmm. especially in their run defense. They get two weeks to rest 
and prepare for a three and seven football team at their place at home oh, with the sure. Seahawks feast, right? Yeah, yeah, you bet. And this is the product we get. This is the shit yep. we get. It is. Yes, that's what you get. When you were watching do Gino, I do this. I don't. Yeah, want to. yeah forget it. Let's, <laughs> let's go ahead. When you were watching Gino, well, in the first half, I mean, weren't you? I mean, he looked god awful in the first half. So I don't already, know that he looked god awful. He looked all. He, he looked bad. I mean, he, I don't know that he ever really looked bad. He did make some bad throws. There were some bad moments. He almost threw that pick in the end yeah, zone. Yeah, yeah. And then on the next yeah. play, he made sure the guy caught good. it, <laughs> even though it didn't count. It didn't look good. I mean. I, yeah, oh. there were some bad moments for Gino in the first half. Yes, my, but so but, my my question to you yes, is: Yes, I'm yes. already spending. You know, like when you when you think you have a bonus coming for ratings, and you already kind of have the money spent, even though you shouldn't. No, I don't know what that's like. <laughs> especially your show. Now that I think about it, I, I don't know what that's like. Yeah, so you know, they say it's it's called a bonus. Don't just plan on it being part of your income. You may or may not get it. But I, I'm already spending the Broncos draft pick right now. I'm already thinking about like a top five, top ten pick. Would you go? I mean, let's do mock draft in November because everyone knows. No, hot, we're not doing. Everyone this. knows Hotshot loves mock draft. No, I'm doing this in November after this game. Are you thinking? Oh boy, they need a lot of help on defense, or we got to get a young quarterback in here. We love Geno. He's played above his card. Hotshot. Yes, Geno is 27 of 37 in this god awful game. Yeah, 27 of 37 for 328 yards and two touchdowns. Oh, why does it not feel that way? It didn't feel that way. He wasn't as good as he normally is. The pass game wasn't as good as it normally was or is. But, but the truth of the matter is they played the team going in, and we did this on Tail of the Tape with Slickhawk on the Friday show. Mm -hmm. They played an opponent that was the worst pass rushing team in the NFL. Ooh, didn't 32 look like out of 32 teams. Wow. They had six sacks coming into the game. Yeah. And... If you talk about defense, passer rating allowed by defenses. So what is the, What are all the opponents, opposing quarterbacks? What's their complete passer rating against you? Yeah. The Raiders were giving up a 106 passer rating, 32nd amongst mm. 32. They were the worst pass defense in the league. And yet, did they look like they were having trouble getting to, getting to Geno? Uh, no. Okay. That poor right tackle. The rookie. Lucas. I thought he was good. Woo. He got, he got, bull he got times, absolutely like, manhandled. Oh, like be like me, like running into our producer, Steve Dion, and, you know, bull rushing <laughs> him back. That's what it looked like to <laughs> me, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, was Geno good in the first half? Probably not. Yeah. Was their offensive line good? Terrible. Yep. Terrible in pass protection. Terrible in run in, in, in developing any kind of holes for the running game, we're doing the whole first segment yeah, yeah, yeah. here. So stop. Hi. Can I do it over? No. Oh, good. Okay. Well, you want to start over? You no. Want to do over? Did you get your picks in for uh, Beat the Boys? Yeah. Well, well, well. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just trying to segue into Can't something else. Can't you do else. something better? <laughs> well, listen. How up. was your Thanksgiving? Oh, why, yeah. why don't you ask me how my Thanksgiving was? Oh, yeah. Was? How was the big party you guys host every year over here with the neighborhood? Pretty good? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a big raging party. Mushroom soup and the whole oh, thing. Oh, the whole thing. <laughs> Cream of mushroom soup. Yes. Yeah. Where did you it? go? Where'd you go? Uh, we got invited to a, a friend of ours house. They have a daughter Piper's age, so yeah. they're pretty good friends of ours right. and we got invited. It was like a, we call it a a friendsgiving, just like four couples, one's from Dallas, one's from Georgia, one's, you know. So, yeah, we hung out at a friend's house, had lots of food, great time. How about you? Um, we 
changed our plans from a Thursday Thanksgiving to a Friday Thanksgiving. Uh-oh. Instead of making the big meal on Thursday, yeah. we made the big meal on Friday because our oldest, Max, uh, had a responsibility to work at Daniel's Broiler on Thanksgiving day and night. He's still doing that. Good for him. Yeah, oh yeah, oh sure. I know he was umpiring. He had the, the movie yeah, theater, yeah, Daniel's, yeah, yeah, yeah. man, yeah, man yeah. of all trades yeah, here. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's still doing so Daniel's. So we figured, good. why should we do that and not have Max? So we moved it to Friday. We did the whole turkey oh, stuffing, nice. mac and cheese, the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. I hid. Yeah. I hid both days. <laughs> right. <laughs> Actually, I didn't hid. I didn't hide. I I went to two movies. Over Thanksgiving Day. Wow, weekend. you are back. COVID schmovid. That's you. F- those are the first. That's the first time I've been. When was the last time when you were in a theater? Have you been in a theater since COVID? Yeah, in San Bernardino, we went to Top Gun. Oh, you did. Yeah, but not a not four a years. Ton. I'm thinking four years since really? I've been in a theater. Yeah, I think so. Four years. I think four years. And then I went twice over the weekend. I saw two movies. Wow. Two movies. That you're probably not only would never go to, I don't know, but have probably never heard of. So I don't oh know what the boy. sense is of even bringing it up. Forty carries, two hundred eighty. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's the segment one. Sorry. Wait, <laughs> can we give me a, what, what 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 movies would I, I not want to the, go to? Well, I went to the Fablemans. Oh, see, I, I want to see. That. I go to the movies. Honestly, this is not a shocker to you or anybody else. Yeah. The over-under on any movie that I go to in terms of other people in the theater is like two and a half. <laughs> right. And then you go like at three or something in the afternoon, probably. You don't even go at night. No, 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 no. We go at night. Oh, okay. We go at night. You go. The movie theater's kind of crowded. Everybody's going to see these superhero whatever oh, sure. movies, yeah. whatever. Hustle and bustle at the And we the get into our theater and... and there's literally two people. <laughs> yeah. Those are the kinds of, those are the movies that I go to. I always now say... you now you might say, is that a reflection of the movie choice your preference and what you want to see? Or are you just looking for movies where you don't have to run into anybody <laughs> I think it's a little in the both. theater? Yeah, a little of both. But when I love walking in and we're the only ones, I'm like, oh, this is what Steven Spielberg's basement feels like. You know, just the enormous theater all to ourselves. But Fableman's, that's that's Spielberg's movie, right? The, that's Spielberg's movie. Based on him growing up. Correct. Yeah, I want to see it. Correct. I, I loved it's it. Good. Yeah. I loved it. I'm sure it's good. No one saw it. No one's going to see it. Yeah, no one cares about it's it. It's good. It had like early Oscar buzz. I'm surprised people aren't going Both to it. Both of these movies that I saw have Oscar buzz. And what is the definition of a movie that has Oscar buzz? Yeah. Two people in the theater with Mitch. <laughs> right. <laughs> was the other one Knives Out 2? No, that one's called? no, 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 no. I think that's a popular one, isn't it? Yeah. I My mean, son I went to that one. Okay. No. The other one is called She Said. Oh, boy. Never heard of that. It's it's the story of the two the two women at the New York Times that broke the Harvey Weinstein story. Oh, now, see, I would, I would like to see that as well. See, I would like Again, both of those. Enjoy it. You can call me from the theater <laughs> in the middle of the movie because you won't be disrupting that's anybody. <laughs> I can't wait to pirate those for free instead of paying for them. I, going great. I happen to enjoy. I don't know what Rotten Tomatoes says. Yeah. I happen to enjoy both movies. I would recommend them to people that like that. Kind. They're not. It's not Ant-Man. Right. It's, it's, that's, not, that's the Marvel one you go to. I Ant-Man don't know. of all know. the Marvel I don't know. ones. I don't know what's out. What's out right I now? I don't know. It's not those. Okay. So, and both of them well over two hours. Yeah. I was a little stunned. 40 carries, 283. <laughs> I, I was kind of stunned at how expensive it is now to go to the movies. Oh, inflation in four years. God damn it. 30 Biden. bucks for two tickets. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. is that about right? Yeah, I figured it was like 13.75. Yeah, it's or like something. 13. It's like yeah. 12 or 13. And then you yeah. pay 
Leave it to me to be the guy that wants to do it in advance at home on the app because I'm worried people are gonna when there's no one people at the theater yeah. they get our yeah, yeah. they get our reservation and they giggle. They're right. like, yeah. what are these people? What do they think there's anybody else gonna be at the theater besides them? So I'm trying to reserve the best seat. I want to have the best seat. Same here though. I, I get do in that there too. And there's and never you pay a you, yeah. you pay a charge. You pay for it, but yeah. it's kind of worth it. Thirty bucks for two people to go yeah. to the theater, and then you get the popcorn. Gets in my teeth. Yeah, I always say I'm not going to have the popcorn because can't it gets resist, in my t- but you can't resist. I, I know. I, I'm trying all kinds of new tactics so that the popcorn. Anyway, brushing and flossing, 40, not cutting it. Well, I don't want to wait till I get home. I don't want to floss in the middle. Of the- <laughs> well, I could. I would you be could. disrupting. You're alone. Anymore. Yes, you could bathe for God's sakes, and nobody would notice. This I really like to get somebody on one of the two women that co-wrote the Harvey Weinstein story for the New York Times, the bombshell that because when you really think about it. Yeah. The, those two women will go to their graves having changed the world. I mean, you talk about wanting to do something in your life. I don't know whether you ever think about this. When I was doing the radio show, I would often, and maybe this led to me not loving myself so much. I always used to like look at myself and say, can I do something that makes a fucking difference? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I got you. Can yeah. I do something that like. Yeah. What's your legacy going to be? Gonna will be remembered after yeah. I'm gone. I mean, can, can I just do something? Yeah. I always wanted to do something like, I mean, these two women are just New York Times writers, investigative reporters yep. who worked their asses off. If you see the movie, you'll, t- you'll see all they had to go through to yeah. get this thing done. And they changed the world. Yeah. Not to mention, I mean, completely Har- think about what that Harvey Weinstein, Harvey Weinstein yeah. case did to the world. In terms of Me Too and oh, everything, yeah. it changed the entire world. How we examined workplaces, how we examined our lives, how we looked ourselves in the mirror. It ch- these two women. It's impressive. They just changed the world with some work. I he, and he was protected. I mean, it, it was not e- like, good luck if you want to, you know, calling that dude out. because oh. He was vindictive oh. and he was protective, right? Oh. I mean, I'm sure you saw it in the movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was he was not a nice fella, as they say. Yeah. So I turned to the guy next to me who wasn't there because we were the, we were literally the only two people yeah. in the theater. Yeah. Did he agree with you, the guy next to you who no, wasn't it was there? Just my wife and I and yeah. we had the whole theater. Did she enjoy the movies as well, both of them? Um, or is she a tough customer when it comes to the movies? She's at a, at a point in her life that she'd like to laugh. Yeah, I know what and you're talking about. And there's not a lot of yeah. movies that make you laugh anymore. Yeah. See, like my wife's really into like Hallmark movies and like kind of corny, cheesy because she knows it's going to have a happy ending. Yeah. It's kind of funny and yeah, fun. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. I'm, and then I'm into like Game of Thrones where it's evil oh. and they're cutting people's ears off no, and that kind of no, horse shit, no, you know? No, yeah. So yeah, I, I, I know what you're saying about that. My, my wife doesn't want to, my wife doesn't watch anything good, I say. She just won't watch any good show if it's not Real Housewives. That's me. That's me. Yeah, that's you. You watch sports and sports. That's pretty much yeah. it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and when Ellen was on, I thought the Fablemans was good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna, I, th- I thought he. I thought she said was very good. I'll see it. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Well, good for you for getting out of the house. We're proud of you. Nice job. Thirty bucks. Forty carries, two hundred eighty-three yards, <laughs> which is worse. <laughs> Take your pick. Which do you hate more? <sighs> can I can I have a team in my life that can play defense? Watching the Apple oh Cup and then God. watching the Seahawks game. Even if I was a Cougar fan, their defense isn't great. Are there any teams left that love playing defense? Are there any Mike Singletary's and Chicago Bears of 85's out there who pride themselves on defense? Or is it cool to just give up 300 yards a half and no one gives a crap? 576 yards, Ugh. the third most in franchise history. It's the third worst 
Think about some of the bad teams that they've had wow. over the years that you watched before I even before I even got to town. Yeah, yeah. They gave up the third most yards that they've ever given up to anybody. This is a three and seven. In now, people any are gonna game? Say, the, yeah, in any game. That's impressive. But we're not supposed to talk about this. Back to the Fablemans. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we could talk about World Cup soccer. Yeah. Did you are you watch? Are you keeping an eye on it? I watched the entire US game versus England. You did. Now, when I say I watched it, yeah. I put it on the TV. I was in the room kind of watching it. I never turned it off. Yeah. I don't know that I was paying incredible detailed attention to the entire thing, but I had it on for the entire game and I was quite proud of myself. Okay. Have they played a game where there's actually been a result yet? Or are they all tied? I think all they've both been ties, ties and they have yeah. one more, what, Tuesday yeah. against Nothing Iran? like a good sporting event that ends in a tie. Yeah, but it, they were calling it a win in a way, though, right? Of course I mean, it was. England should be embarrassed. I even saw Piers Morgan. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh, well, oh, he was embarrassed. I believe everything that guy says. Oh, he's a, comes he's a down winner. To it. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, a tie, you get like a point. So it's not just a tie. Don't you get a point in the Yeah, stand? you get a point. Yeah, you get a point. They're going to play on Tuesday against... I used to call it Iran. I used to think it was Iran. But yeah, I no did one too. calls it Iran anymore. The Iran. Uh, it's Iran contract. now. It's, I think it's Iran. Yeah. Yeah. Words change and no one's consulted. Like I hear divisive. My whole life it was divisive. I think both are good. Yeah, but what, do, do we need both? both? Can't we just choose one? <laughs> I mean, Jesus. Well, <laughs> not working with a lot up here. Okay, let's keep God. it simple. Christ. <laughs> Thirty-three carries, two hundred and twenty-nine oh, yards. God. Uh. How did we think that was going to end, though? Which one? The U.S. game versus England? That's exactly right. Yes. That's how we thought it was going to end, right? Oh. So are you going to watch U.S.-Iran? Well, I kind of watched U.S.-Wales. I did watch U.S.-England. I'm just going to say it. I can't. Maybe it's just from my youth. I can't get into it. It's yeah. hard for me. I don't know the game. People are going to say that's a cop-out answer, Mitch. I know all the soccer fans out there are very sensey poo about you not enjoy us not enjoying their sport. Yeah. I don't know. I, I didn't play it as a kid. Mm -hmm. My friends didn't play it as a kid. When I was growing up in the 70s in Florida, it was baseball, basketball, and football. Mm -hmm. You were weird if you played golf. I tried to play golf or tennis. Yeah. I played tennis. It was, it was I, I don't I don't know. I just can't. I can't get excited. I want to get excited about it, but I just can't do it. Yeah, the answer is I'll probably tune it in at 11 a.m. on Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. I I, I watched it. I had it on, and I'm kind of with you. It's just I just don't I, get I just it. I can't relate to it because no. I, I played when I was a little kid. You did that, like four years when I, but I played goalie because I was fat, and you know I can't really relate to the passing and the schemes. And I don't, same with the Kraken. Like my friends love the Kraken. I'm trying to. I haven't. I haven't put one minute on of it. I just. I, th I think I'm too old to learn new stuff. <laughs> Well, it's I just funny. think I am. I don't know. I can't do it. You know that you bring the Kraken up. It's funny because I would say I have even less experience with hockey than I do with soccer. Yeah. I mean, it was played when I was a kid. Yeah. Hockey wasn't played anywhere near me as a kid. They didn't even cover hockey on the local news. There was no hockey. Yeah. I didn't even know what hockey was. Right. So I, I find myself in the same kind of vein with hockey as I am with soccer, and yet I can put on a Kraken game or go to a Kraken game mm. and actually get excited. It may be a little fake. Yeah. I kind of fool myself into sure. getting excited. Yeah. Much more than I can with soccer. Huh. And, and yet I know, I know, I know nothing about either one. I never played either one. Yeah, I never was exposed. I never, you know, I could never relate to either one. And yet hockey, I can somehow. Huh. Wonder what the difference is. Get into. Is. I don't maybe faster moving, more scoring, a yeah, little maybe. bit more scoring. I don't know. I don't know if uh, some cross checking, I don't know. 
Now, as much flopping. If somebody, if you could snap your fingers and be sat in good seats at the World Cup game, U.S. against Iran, maybe, maybe if you experienced it, only if they called him Iran. Yeah, Um, (laughs) the Iron Sheik used to call it Iran back in the day. Matthew Stretch Johnson is over there. He is okay. He goes every year. Oh, that's right. With his brother, it's kind of a family trip that I admire greatly. And he texted me before he left, and now he's texted me since he's gotten there. Uh-huh. He said, oh, I've talked to somebody back in the States, crystal clear. The cell phone's crystal clear if you want to do it. <laughs> so next week, okay, on episode 217, not Cleveland 216, but 217, uh-huh. um, we'll have Stretchy on. Oh, from good. Qatar. Yes. And I'll ask him when he thinks I'm going to ask some soccer question. I'm going to ask, when was the last, when did they change it from Iran, uh, Iran to Iran? Yeah, you think he'll know? No, he, he won't know, know anything. When I was a kid, the Iron Sheik, the wrestler, used to come out and say, "You, Iran, number one, USA, poof, and he would spit. So I knew it was Iran because he was Iran. from there, and that's how he said it. But my, you know, my grandparents lived in that country for a while. Is that right? Isn't that weird? Your grandparents? Who's who? My, my mom's parents. My, my dad, uh, sorry, my mom's dad flew 747s. And so he was stationed there. I think I think Boeing sent him there to like help teach people. I don't know. Yeah. My grandparents lived in that country for a long time, which is so weird to think about. You, but. Rem- you remember the Iran hostage crisis? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. You you know that you know that Nightline starring Ted Koppel at the time. Ted Koppel. Yes. I'm Ted Koppel, and this is Nightline. Mm-hmm. You know that Nightline started with the with the hostage situation. I didn't know that. Ho- Interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah. Nightline was supposed to be a temporary show on yeah. ABC. They were tracking the hostage situation. And once that came to an end, it was Nightline was supposed to come huh. to an end, and yet it's it, it became so popular with Koppel, yeah. and now it's I, I guess they still do it. But it reminds me of my favorite, maybe my favorite Beano Cook line. Have you ever heard the Beano Cook line? I don't know. Well, when the hostages were released, yeah, and they came back over, and we celebrated their return. The then commissioner of baseball, I'm not sure who it was, Bowie Kuhn maybe. I don't know who the commissioner was. Okay. Baseball said, you know, came out and said, we are granting the hostages and their families free access for the rest of their life to Major League Baseball. Whatever games they and their family want to go for the rest Ooh. of their lives, just call us, you're in. It was a very nice gesture. Wow, it's really nice. And Bino Cook was asked about it, and he said, oh, my God, haven't they suffered enough? <laughs> There's an old football guy right there for you. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> oh. Anyway. All right. All major platforms, the whole thing. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Should we start again? No, we should not. I got shows to watch. I got to go. Mitch Unfiltered is available yeah. on all major pa- platforms like Apple and all the rest. Yeah. Uh, do us a favor. Become a Mitch Unfiltered patron. Yep. $5 a month at uh, MitchUnfiltered.com if you would like to get the extra shows. I don't know if you want to hear any of them this week. Yeah. I don't know if you want to hear Mr. Playoffs this week. Oof. If you do, or tail the tape. Uh, $5 a month. Also, write me if you can't do the $5 a month. If that's a problem during the holidays, Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com. Beat the boys. Presented by Fireside Home Solutions there, Hotshot. Yep. Weekend number 13 on the horizon. The Packers and the Bears. The Commanders and the Giants, and an interesting game in San Francisco where Seahawks fans will have a rooting interest. Mm -hmm. The Dolphins at the 49ers this week. Okay. So I figured I'd make the password a three-letter word, a guy's name 
who Seahawks fans will be cheering for, as okay. I will, as I do every, every week. week. Yeah. I thought I'd make him the password this week. I like it. Easy to remember, too. T-U-A. Okay. All lower case. You'll be happy to know I'm laying in bed Saturday night, and I'm thinking, did I put my picks in? Crap. I don't know if I did or not. I don't think it much matters anymore, but... Uh... <laughs> well, I'll have you know I set my alarm for like 9... I went. My, I set my alarm for like 9.40 to make sure I, I would, wouldn't miss it. Yeah. I run down. Yeah. I text a friend what the password is. I'm not sure, but he never got back to me. So I found it on my notes. I log in. I had already made my picks. So, of course, I, I got up early for nothing. I could have slept in a little longer. After all that, Hotshot goes, 0-3. <laughs> I could have just slept in. I go, Why do I even buy it? It's 50-50 on every game. It's 50-freaking-50. Actually, it's there's actually a favorite. You can If you took the favorite, the point the Yeah, point's true. Favorite. If you looked at the points, it's I guess. Yeah. 55 or 60-40. Oh, God. Can't buy a winner. To save my life right now. 0 for 3. Yeah, 0 for 3. That's a hell of a showing. Guests on this episode, uh, 216, Rick Neuheisel on the Apple Cup excitement. And they, the unit. I told you last week, I'm going to tell you again, I can sniff roses. Mm-hmm. Washington is one result away from playing in the Rose Bowl. Yep. We'll get into that. Rick Neuheisel, Apple Cup thoughts, Final Four coming into focus. Danny O'Neill is usually one of the patron shows. Yeah. Went to Yosemite for Thanksgiving. And he wrote me and he said, I can't do it this week. I can't do the patron show this past week. So he didn't do it last week. I said, why don't you come on the regular show? Yeah. So he's going to be on the regular show. Oh, good. And the no table, in case you are a glutton for punishment, as my dad would say. Yeah. Uh, Henderson fan and I break down the Seahawks Raiders game. Good. Okay. Good luck to you. But before we begin the agony that was on Sunday at Lumen Field, a couple of words about our sponsors without whom... 216, not possible. Evergreen Golf Call, tax advisors, certified financial planners, experienced portfolio managers working together to bring retirement planning taxes and investments under one roof. EvergreenGK.com, more than just a financial advisor, Evergreen is everything wealth. Zeke's Pizza, new locations popping up all over the place. Boise, Idaho, now into Oregon coming soon. Incredible how the footprint of Zeke's has expanded the last many years. Thanksgiving at Daniel's was killer. I got all the details from Bellevue's favorite busboy, my son, Max Levy. It just feels right to be in Daniel's broiler during the holiday season. Just a special holiday feel to all four locations. Reserve your spot today for a real treat at danielsbroiler.com. Fireside Home Solutions, the title sponsor of the Beat the Boys competition. Week 13 is coming. Password TUA, T-U-A, all lowercase, as in the QB that hopefully will hand the hated 49ers a loss on Sunday. Have you given any thought to a new fireplace unit for the winner? Up to $300 off gas fireplace inserts right now at Fireside firesidehomesolutions.com. The Kirkland Office of Cross Country Mortgage and Jordan Flowers, obviously a very weird time when it comes to borrowing money, buying and selling homes, although seems like maybe we're headed to a much better place with interest rates. There's light at the end of the tunnel. Jordan's team has the answers. 425-890-2957. His personal number, Jordan Flowers, 425-890-2957. Five seven the cross country mortgage Kirkland office. This is episode two sixteen, and it begins right now. 
Unfiltered. I really love the spirit and the feel of the holidays, of the Christmas season. I yes. love Christmas music. I've told you this a million times. That's why mm-hmm. we played Christmas. I love Christmas music, <laughs> all kinds of Christmas music, but we don't go to the point where we celebrate the actual holiday. Unfiltered. If you're really in love with the Alabama quarterback, if you're really in love with the Ohio State quarterback, and let's say you're at number five right. and you got to get up to one or two, you could package your picks and move up, but that's not a John Schneider. <laughs> thing they don't move up mitch is unfiltered episode 216 hot shot scott is now officially underway as we record this just moments after watching three and a half hours of a football game at Lumen Field that all of us wish we could forget. Do you remember the fourth down play where the, uh, where the Seahawks stopped him on fourth and two? It was a yeah. pitch. It was a pitch. Terrible play call by Josh McDaniels, yes. And I'm thinking... Ridiculous. They, they've been running it up the middle the whole game. Of course. Why would you course, call that? Stupid. stupid. In fact, if, and you then, looked, if you looked pre-snap, by the way, like I did, if you looked at pre-snap, they needed like a half a, a, half a yard, a quarter of a yard. And the Seahawks defensive line, they weren't even they weren't even in there digging in. I mean, he he could have just taken a snap, the yeah. quarterback, and just followed his center and Put probably head down. probably would have gone 80 yards yeah. for a touchdown. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> if he stays yeah. on his feet, he goes the whole way. Yeah. And then the last play of the game, where does it go? Right up the middle, like they've been doing. Like, so how else was that game gonna end? I mean, it, that's what that's what had been going on the entire game. Oh god. So to, for people to act surprised that that's how it ended. He had his way with that D. I don't even know where to begin on this yeah. game. I kind of want to jump to the to the Apple Cup I'm and Washington's you. chances. And I know that we're going to have the Seahawks no table. I know that we kind of talked about it in the in the opening segment, the the uh, the tease segment of the show. But forty to thirty four, I, I found the whole performance. I was ready to get on here, episode two one six after a win, if they won. Yeah. And say, here's what I was going to say. Ask me, what were you going to say after a Seahawks, like, overtime thrilling win 37 to 30? Yeah. You know, they got the ball at midfield in overtime. All they needed was 20 yards to kick a field goal. <laughs> yeah. Nice, nice play call on second down. You haven't been able to run it the whole game. It's second and five on that drive, and they hand the ball off to Kenneth Walker. They have not been able to run it the whole game. And really, the Raiders had not stopped the pass unless they got pass pressure. They had not stopped the pass in the whole second half. And on second and five, that was a perfect opportunity to play action and throw it. I would have just thrown it every down on that last drive to get into field goal range. Anyway, ask me what I was going to say. What were you going to say in case the Seahawks won? I was going to say had the Seahawks won that I'm not sure how negative I'm allowed to be. What are the podcast rules for how negative a guy should be after the team wins? Oh, gotcha. We used to talk about this at KJR all the time. How negative am I allowed to be after a win? You're supposed to say, hey, winning in the NFL is not easy. You take it, you forget about it, and you move on. But I was going to have trouble doing that on episode 216 had they pulled that game out because I found the whole performance to be pathetic. God-awful, yeah. Especially when you consider they had two weeks. They had two weeks to get their get their ducks in a row. You had a Raiders team that had played overtime a week ago. Yeah, I, I don't know if that worked. I don't know if that math works. If you have the longer you have off, the more ready you're going to be. 
you would think after the way they played against Tampa against yeah. the run for them to to roll that product out on Sunday against the Raiders uh, you talk about being I, I I don't if they had won the game I think I was going to say I don't think you could be more manhandled at the line of scrimmage on both sides in a win this uh, this is probably what I was going to say yeah is it possible to be more manhandled at the line of scrimmage on both sides, offense and defense, in a win than the Seahawks did on Sunday? That would have been my question to you had they had they won the game. Now I'll just ask, is it possible to be more manhandled, <laughs> right. win, lose, or draw yeah, in general. than they were? I mean, think about this, both sides. Think about the offensive line and think about the defensive line. Okay, Just think about it. Offensively, you can't. You can't block anybody in the running game. Yeah, and by the way, it doesn't it doesn't take the world's greatest hole or the world's greatest block for Kenneth Walker to get through to do his thing. Right, like you give him a little daylight, he's going to make you look good. That guy can make people miss on his own. He can break nowhere tackles. to run. He had absolutely nowhere to run. Just stonewall. Yeah, almost as if the Raiders knew what play was coming. That's right. Fourteen carries, twenty six yards. Yeah. So the offensive line couldn't run block. I told you in the tease segment. The Raiders were the worst pass rushing team in the entire NFL, and they couldn't block them in pass protection. It didn't look like it, that they were the worst pass rushing team in the NFL. So what's left for the offensive line? Anything left that they could have done well? Run block, pass pass block. block. They got an F in both. Okay. Then the defensive line gave up 40 carries for 283 yards could not stop the run. I think if I had carried the ball 20 times, I could have got 100 yards against the Seahawks. I oh, think the I way could've. you ran it number That's, 40 uh 43. Yeah, but I'm talking about at 48 years old, I think I could have got 100 yards. Forget 23. I think I could do it now. It right just up looked the middle. it looked easy. Just looked easy. So the defensive line gives up 283 on the ground. Yeah. They give up 229 to one guy. And they can't get any pass pressure. On the so tell me what's left. I just gave you the off the offensive line couldn't run block. Yeah, couldn't pass block. The defensive line couldn't stop the run, and couldn't get any kind of pressure on a three and seven quarterback. So what's left? There's nothing left. Well, they were totally one hundred percent manhandled yeah. in every aspect on both lines of scrimmage. How is a three and seven football team in your place with your crowd and your fans going crazy. Remember, I asked you what the kind of curious what the fans are going to sound like. They got hot, you know. They won four in a row. Then they had to go to Germany, but you know they're coming back. Are they, is it going to be a playoff atmosphere? You can forget it now, right? I mean, after this loss, fans are going to be so disheartened after this. Like you had a chance to like kind of bring the fans back. Forget a it. I don't bit. know. If you for, forget it. They're going to go on the road. I think it's a good thing they're going on the road next Maybe, week. Yeah. They're going to play a Rams team. That's decimated by injuries. I don't even know if Matthew Stafford's going to play. Certainly didn't play on Sunday. They don't. They don't look like a team that can beat anybody at this point. Nor did the so, Raiders. Yes. yes. Well, the Raiders did. Be, uh, yeah. Yeah. The Rams look different than the okay, Raiders. All right. The Rams look different than the Raiders. Maybe you go down there and you you kick their ass. Yeah. And you come back and you get a little more momentum. I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. And on top of it all, just to add insult to injury, the officiating mistake on the Raiders' final drive of the game to tie on the fumble. You talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how do they review everything? Right. They review things that we wish they wouldn't review. Right. And yet this guy who clearly his knee wasn't down, 
who's rolling on top of a defender. We've seen that a billion times in the NFL. When a running back rolls on top of a defender, he's not down, and then he rolls off of him and gains another one or two yards. They give him that one or two yards, right? Technically, he's not on the turf. He's not on the turf, so they give him the one yard. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, we're not going to go by that rule. We're going to call it forward Forward progress progress being stopped. All of a sudden, we don't call forward progress being stopped when he rolls and he gets an extra yard or two because he hasn't been down. But now we're going to call that forward progress being stopped and we're not going to re- we're going to review every other thing. We're going to review whether the guy had a Pepsi or Coke in the second row. <laughs> right. But we're not going to review that. Yeah. That's that's what we can't unreview. That was the game right yeah. there. Yeah. It's the game right it there. It was the game, but it shouldn't have come down of to course uh, yeah, not. yeah, of yeah. Of course not. Brutal. But that was a brutal Yeah. They got robbed on that. Yeah. They got totally robbed on that. Total fumble, totally not down, totally poked out. Should have been the Seahawks ball. No review. And then they take six out. I loved it. Then when the Seahawks get the ball back after the Raiders tie, mm-hmm. they throw that pass to DK Metcalf on the sidelines that he lunges and appears to catch. Yeah. They overturned it and said no. Yeah, it did look like a catch, but although he didn't have control, and yeah. he started to roll. But the point, and, and I think they got it right ultimately. It, yeah. The ball did kind of come out and he rolled out. How long did they take to oh. review that? Forever. Yeah. I know. And the announcers are saying, the announcer comes on and says something like, you know, this is too big of a point in the game. Yeah. To not, they're going to do this slowly. They're going to take yeah. they're gonna take their time on this. When a, even a bigger play, three minutes earlier, they wouldn't even review. They right. wouldn't even take a look at. I know. Right? I've been saying for years, the game is ungovernable. Like, they, they, they can't properly referee this game anymore. They just can't for I whatever reason. I swear, the guy was under, w- looking at that DK Metcalf video, yeah. I thought he was watching the Fablemans <laughs> two hours and nine minutes. <laughs> he might have been. <laughs> Good Lord. We're going to take on, you got to understand, yeah, they got to okay. take this slowly, and you got to you got to yeah, understand, right. this we, is too big of a point in the game for them not to, to, to yeah. watch every single angle in New York when they wouldn't even look at the play. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I know. I've been saying it for you. I don't want to complain about the official. People are sitting on their couches. The when people on their couches all over the country can see the correct play, and it doesn't get called on the field in 2022, just I'll just I'll go to my grave never understanding how that can happen in sports. I just I'll never get it. I just I, it doesn't make any sense to me. Mm. Awful. Mm-mm-mm. Hey, I will say uh, a defensive player actually caught a football. Quandre Diggs caught a caught a Twice. caught a couple a couple footballs as a professional football Twice, player. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I always bitch about that. I got to give him credit where credit's due. Also, let the running back get behind him on the sidelines. <laughs> yeah, we well, that. I didn't want to talk about that. Just the fact that he caught a ball is all I wanted to talk about. Is that it? Are we done? <laughs> By the way, I, I was going to go after Ryan Neal a little bit. Then he got hurt. So I don't feel like I don't really want to do it now. What are the rules? Somebody get out the podcast journal. Yeah. Do you see the play where he was completely beat by Foster Morrow and Morrow just dropped it? And Neil comes in and then afterwards is waving his Dikembe Mutombo finger like, oh, don't you dare come in here, boy. If it's a play that I'm talking about, was it over the middle on a third down play or something? I think and so. And it went right through the guy's hands, hit his shoulder pads and came out. Yeah, it was that, that the tight yeah, end. I think I remember the play. I don't remember the celebration. After oh, that. drives me Hot absolutely shot. Let nuts. me tell you, no, no disrespect to you or Ryan Neal. If you want to start taking shots at defensive players, <laughs> yeah. we could do that for six hours. That's true, I guess. This was, this was just an inexcusable performance. Yeah. Yeah. But there was a 114th playing of the Apple Cup the previous night. Yes, there was. Went to the wee hours of the morning on the East. I mean, if you were watching in the East, again, yeah. it was like 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock in the morning. Washington 51 hotshot. 
Washington State 33. They finish a 10-2 and football season in his first year, Kalen DeBoer. Impressive. I'm, I'm, I'm not a shootout guy. I don't know. Shootouts I know. You wrote that on, on Twitter. That I don't you like, like You it. like a good defensive battle. Oh, how about some defense? I don't, I don't need it to be 3 nothing, but some defense every once in a while, some key defensive plays, not just a flag football game and whoever has the ball last wins. I don't know. I just I, I, the Huskies' defense has a lot of work to do, and I guess oh, I I, I yeah. should have been impressed. I just really wasn't. It just I mean their offense looked pretty good, but they won the game. They did win the game. They won a tough rivalry game on the road. Yeah, they did when they had to win to keep their Rose Bowl hopes alive. Yeah, the quarterback threw for four hundred and eighty-five yards and three touchdowns. He's now thrown for four thousand three hundred and fifty-four yards in twelve games. Average per game, Please Michael Penix. Yes. 363 a game Not over 12 shabby. games. And he's gone, right? There's like, we can't even like, there's no pipe dream that he comes oh, back. Oh, I think there's a pipe dream. That oh, there back. is. Oh, yeah, okay. I think there's a pipe dream. I think there's a scenario where he comes back. I'm not going to say that it's better than 50-50. Yeah. But I think there's a scenario. I think Neuheisel put it best a couple of weeks ago when he said, well, look, let's see what he hears from the NFL experts about his draft positioning. Yep. And if the NFL experts say, you're a fourth rounder. Yeah. Let's just say, and I don't think that, I don't know that they're going to say, to me, he looks like, you know, I, I guess I just don't know enough about football to be able to tell one from the other, but I watch that guy play the position and I say to myself, how is that guy not every bit as good as Bryce Young and, and Stroud and all these Caleb, other guys? whatever, yeah. Now, and now maybe somebody would say he's throwing to wide open receivers and we'll get to that in a, in a minute, but he looks like a beautiful college football player that should be a good quarterback in the NFL. I don't know. Yeah. I get, is his arm strength not good enough? Is he not accurate enough? Does he not run enough? I don't know. Is he not big enough? I don't know. Yep, I, don't I don't know, know what either. these guys are looking for. He looks good to me. He dominates this level. He should be good at the next level. But at New, as Neuheisel said, what if somebody says you're a third rounder, you're a fourth rounder, you're a second, eh, second rounder, third rounder, fourth rounder, and then, I don't know, the, uh, the NIL people at University of Washington get together a package. Yeah. A good, solid financial package of of endorsements or promotional opportunities that will pay him a lot of money to come back next year. So now he has the choice. I could be a third or fourth rounder in the NFL this year. And maybe still the answer would be you go to the NFL. But the choice would be I could be a third or fourth rounder this year in the draft. Or I can come back, mm -hmm. get a chunk of change, yep. be a Heisman, if not the Heisman front runner, one of the two or three favorites yeah, to win the Heisman. For sure play on hopefully an improved defensive football team, yep. play with the same wide receivers that I'm playing with now and running backs. for all, say, for all, all intent, they're back, all coming right? back yeah. the offensive McMillan line and all them. You say create a compelling argument to come back. That's I'm not telling you he will, right. but there's the, there's the argument to come back. Okay. Bezos can put him on the payroll at Amazon, maybe throw a couple dollars his way, get him a nice little crib to live in. And with that, tomorrow we'll hear that he doesn't even want to play in the Rose Bowl. <laughs> He's withdrawing from the Rose That's Bowl. That's right. He's got to work out the day before. I, I, for please don't hold me. I'm just giving you. Ask me for a scenario. Yeah, that's how that will go. I'm giving you a scenario. Right. Yeah. I looked at a mock, mock draft a couple of days ago. He was not in the first round of the mock draft. Okay. They're not, they're not saying that Michael Penix is a first-round draft choice. So maybe there is a... The other part of it is he's older now. He's been around for like 12 years in That's college right. football. He's like yeah. 46. Right. At what point do you just give the NFL a try before you're in a wheelchair? <laughs> That's right. But it's just a beautiful thing. It's a, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Every time I look up, I just wonder if you and I, he, he's made, 
Michael Penix has completed 330 passes this year. Okay. If you and I sat down and I had a video string of all 330 passes that he completed, and you and I decided we were going to sit down and watch every one of the 330. And when we do that, we're going to assign a number from one to four on each completion. And that number, that, that, that scale is how open was the receiver. Okay. We're going to look at every one of the 330 completions exactly. and ask the question, yeah. how open was the receiver? A one would be tight, tight, tight coverage. He had no business even throwing the ball to that guy. Gotcha, okay. A four would be nobody in the screen. Nobody within five yards okay. of the receiver when he caught the ball. Gotcha. And then a two and a three would be somewhere in the middle. Okay. If we looked at all 330 completions, we would come up with a lot of threes and fours. Okay. A lot of threes and fours. It's amazing how open these guys are. Yeah. Am I wrong about that? No, it does feel that way. They are so open. Yeah. And this has got to be a credit to Kalen DeBoer. This has got to sure. be, he's like Leonard Bernstein. You know, the, you know, the, the composer. Uh, yeah, right? yeah, he's like, course, a, yeah. he's a beautiful compo composer of offense. Yeah. This has got to be about him. It's a scheme thing for it's sure. It's crazy yeah. how open these guys are. It's fun to watch. And you, so got, fun to watch. you have a guy that can get it there I mean, almost every time. Like He's not under or over. He's throwing these beautiful passes right on the money, too. So maybe therein lies the answer to the question of why he's not considered a hot, a hot first-round yeah. Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud quarterback. Maybe an NFL scout would tell me, Mitch, you just answered your own question. He is throwing to wide-open receivers. It's a credit to that offensive coaching staff and the scheme that they play that they're able to get these guys so wide open. I wonder if you and I were to do that. First of all, I think our family would probably leave us if we were to actually sit and do that for five <laughs> hours. Anyway, but if we were to watch those, I bet we'd probably see more than we remember of him throwing some pretty difficult passes. Into tight windows? Or you know, running to his right and throwing across the screen, you know, across the field and vice versa. I bet he's made some tougher throws, but no. But what you're saying is true. It does feel like guys are oftentimes wide open. I'm yeah. watching these games against Washington State and Oregon and all the Colorado, and it seriously looks like the defense is playing with nine guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's the Colorado, and you know, Wazoo's secondary didn't look great, but yeah. No, it's I know. It's and I, I don't know how he does it. I don't know how Kalen DeBoer does it. I would love to see that that group come back for one more year. Oh, it'd be so fun. Well, he, here's here's where I'm actually headed with that. I am curious. I would like to see Michael Penix another year. Mm -hmm. I joked on Twitter that I'm going to take Max down to the Rose Bowl if they play in the Rose Bowl, and he and I are going to start chanting, one more year, yeah. <laughs> one more year. Yeah. I want just like everybody else wants. But there's also another part of me that's intrigued by what DeBoer will do with the next quarterback, be it Sam Heward, another lefty. Yeah. Because if I'm right, in these 330 completions where the guy is wide open, it's pretty safe to assume. I'm not suggesting that Sam Heward next year or whoever is the quarterback, I don't know, Morris, whoever the quarterback is next year. I I'm not suggesting he's going to have the year that Michael Penix had this yeah. year. Come on. Michael Penix has been probably the best quarterback in all of college football, even though he won't win the, win the Heisman yeah. in terms of yardage and stats and, and all that stuff. He's got the five, six years of experience. Crazy. I mean, you, I mean the guy at USC has been great, great too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I just wonder whether this is just going to be 
whoever is the quarterback because the, the, the scheme yeah. is so beautiful. Yep. Is, is Sam Heward going to be firing to wide open receivers? Is Sam Heward or Morris or whomever the next guy is going to be racking up 300-yard games every single game next year? Maybe. I'm curious. Yeah. I don't want to see it next year, but I am curious how much of this is about the scheme yeah. and how much of it is about the player. I want to see it too, but I think I'm leaning more towards him coming back if I had to choose. Oh, we all want to see him. <laughs> but I am curious as well. Did you remember the double pass where he caught it and then darted up the sideline for I it? do remember that. Yes. How fast did he look? Like I, I knew he could move and he doesn't it doesn't feel like he wants to run a ton, but he will if he has to and but he, he cut back. He, he escape. followed his blocking. He looked like a running back on that play. Boy, I was impressed with how fast he like when he really goes for it. That dude can fly. I'm surprised they're not looking at him in a first round, first, second round. I wonder why. What is it? Yeah, that's interesting. Because he looks fast. His arm doesn't, I mean, he's got, remember, we love Jake Browning, but no one thought he had a cannon on him, right? He was good. He hit some wide open guys in Peterson's system too, yeah, but yeah. this guy's got a rocket. How many times is he throwing from one hash mark on one side of the field oh, to the other sideline where you're saying, where you're saying, oh my God, the corners, somebody's going to step in and take that ball to the house. Yeah. And yet he gets it there. Yeah. He's not a gunslinger. He doesn't make horseshit throws and trying to squeeze things in. Man, they throw deep a lot. They do, yeah. But they it's like, one-on-one on one usually. You know, he, he, he doesn't do stupid it's stuff, crazy. so I can't figure it out either. I don't know. Okay, so Friday night, this Friday night, the rematch in the Pac-12 title game. Yep. It might have been, unless you think the Oregon-Washington game was the best game, Oregon-Washington game may have been the best Pac-12 game of the year. Mm -hmm. If the Oregon-Washington was, wasn't the best Pac-12 game of the year, the Utah... USC game. I was in Vegas with my wife. We were going to one of those shows yeah. that like three people were at. That's right. And Utah beat them 43 to 42. Oh, a year ago. No, no. this year, October 15th. Oh, in the regular season. The regular season. Yeah, yeah. Utah beat USC okay. 43 to 42. And now they're going to play again in Las Vegas at the place where the Raiders lose a lot of games, That's except right. when they play the Seahawks. <laughs> yeah, here. yeah, yeah. Um, Utah, USC, Friday night, five o'clock. If Utah wins, good for them. They're going to the, well, they're, I guess they're going to the Rose Bowl. Right. And USC's they won't going, make the playoffs, yeah. USC would go to, I don't know, the yeah. Alamo Bowl, whatever. If USC avenges that loss and wins, yeah. as they are expected to do by odds makers, mm -hmm. USC's going to the, I think they're going to the Final Four, winning they're in the Final yeah. Four. Rose Bowl then has to take a Pac-12 team. Utah would have four losses. That's a lot. Oregon would have three oh, anyone with else a left? loss to walk. Anyone else left with less than three? Not too shabby. Going to the Rose Bowl. Now, do you think? And then you play probably Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. And then C.J. Stroud yeah. maybe doesn't play because he'll be the number one pick or right. number two pick in the draft. I could see him withdrawing from the, even the Rose Bowl and not playing against Washington. Two shit defenses going at it in the Rose Bowl. Should be a nice little 56-49 to 49 game, huh? Should be a blast. Do you think if Oregon would have beat Oregon State that the Rose Bowl would have potentially taken Oregon over Washington? Or do you think Washington was going to be in because they beat Oregon? I think Washington was going to be in. Okay. because for, for a couple of reasons. A, they had beaten Oregon. Yeah. And B, while you don't love it, how could Rose Bowl officials not love Michael? Pe now, if they got word that Michael Penix wouldn't play in it yeah. or he would decide to withdraw and not play in it, that might be a different story. Maybe maybe Rose Bowl officials, I don't know if they do this, would call Washington in your scenario where Oregon is also there with two losses and say to the Washington people, is Penix going to play if we pick you? Yeah. And they had to go to Penix and say, are you going to play? 
But how, if you're the Rose Bowl, do you not want Michael yeah. Penix in that high-flying offense? True. Yeah. How do you not want that? Now, Bo Nix? Uh, right. He's no slouch. But how do you not want Michael Penix in that high-flying offense against potentially C.J. Stroud or yeah. Ohio State? You want that matchup. It'd be awesome. 2,000-yard receivers yeah. on the Huskies. and Yeah, that'd be a blast. I'm looking forward to it. Are we going live show Rose Bowl? Have you been to a Rose Bowl? Have you ever gone to the Rose Bowl? I have been to the Rose Bowl, but not the Rose Bowl. Gotcha. You went for a regular season game. But... I have never been to the actual Rose Bowl. And I ha- I do have to confess that as Max and I were watching the game mm-hmm, yeah. on Saturday night in the wee hours of the morning, I had him looking at flights. You did? Yeah. I mean, it can't be that. You fly anywhere. Monday, Monday January 2nd. The question is, is the podcast? Yeah. Monday, January 2nd, you fly there in the morning. I think it's a 2 o'clock game or something like that. Okay. So if it's a 2 o'clock game, that means it'll be over at about 8. Yeah, uh, right. With exactly. all the passing. Yeah, and the California um, traffic. I'm tempted. Wow. I'm tempted. I've been once, and it's it was a blast. I'm it's tempted really to fun. go down there. Max and I are tempted to go down there. We'll see. Would you stay the night, or would you day trip it? Don't know what I would do. Hmm. Haven't gotten that point yet. Okay. Yeah, you go to Disney. You should go down and make a trip out of it. Go to Disneyland, no, no, like no, when the no, team no, goes. No, no, no. Knott's Berry Farm. No, no, no. Go to the beach. I want to go to the parade. Mm, of all the things, the parade. <laughs> I mean, what year is I this? I want to go to the parade. God, Remember, the parade. I like going to things that nobody goes to. <laughs> That's true. How can I forget? Sorry. <laughs> all right. Three interviews. I so wish that we had better news on the Seahawks. Episode 216. Hey, look who's back. Look who's back. Jordan Flowers, Cross Country Mortgage. Hear what I did there? Cross Country Mortgage in Kirkland, weathering the interest rate storm to continually provide its clients cost-cutting opportunities. How are you, Jay Flo? Doing great. We're back in the swing of things with school starting, kids' activities. It's a fun time. What's new over there? What are you working on these days? You know, we are staying incredibly busy really right now. It's just educational information for agents and buyers. We're helping agents with their listings, trying to help them see win-win scenarios for their sellers and buyers, trying to keep sales prices up for those sellers to get all the equity they can in the home, but also help buyers see the monthly payment that they kind of had slated in their head. So putting together different payment options and programs for them there. And then holding a lot of home buyer seminars, home buyer classes. So if anybody listening is interested in just coming to an informational home buying seminar and what's available to you and what to be looking for when buying a home, then email me and we'll get you on the next slated home buying class. Okay. I'll ask you for your email at the end. Because borrowing money has become hopefully temporarily expensive. We've seen a little slowdown in home values, but not as much as you would think. Why do you think that is, Jordan? Yeah, we've not seen much of a dip here. And you might read in the newspapers that a huge crash is coming. We don't really see that happening and playing out in this market. I think we have a very strong economy in general in this Seattle market. We've always been protected, even in the worst times. The last time we went through this in 08, 09, but really prices have leveled out. We're not depreciating. We're just not appreciating as quickly. So I would say still, it's a great time to list. You might not not be getting a million dollars over lists like we were at the beginning of the year, but we're still gaining value. Yeah. And overall in King County, it's maybe two, 3% right now, but pure Snohomish, we're still looking great. You and your team, of course, kind of famously made the career shift 
from the former company, let's call it, to cross country. What does that change mean to your clients, Jordan? Yeah, the the switch was really an opportunity for us to have more programs and products available to a larger audience base that we work with, self-employed borrowers, unique income scenario borrowers, investment property buyers, and just a more direct line to underwriting for us to make more make sense decisions on the clients that we have, as well as a much larger product offering for jumbo buyers. Okay. So opened up the product mix for us. If you want to take a class or you want to learn a little bit more about home buying, what's the, uh, you always give us your phone number. What's the email for Jordan Flowers? Yeah. My email is Jordan, J-O-R-D-A-N period flowers, F-L-O-W-E-R-S at myccmortgage.com. Jordan.flowers at myccmortgage.com. We love Jordan Flowers. We love Cross Country Mortgage, a great partner of Mitch Unfiltered. Unfiltered. Here's Edwards with the First play of the second half. He wants a deep shot again, and he's got McMillan. Jalen McMillan. Goodbye. Touchdown. Are you kidding? It's Rick Neuheisel time on this episode 216, ladies and gentlemen. Frequent flyer Rick Neuheisel. I have to go through this. So I'm at home enjoying my Thanksgiving weekend on a Friday. I turn him on my TV, and there he is in Columbia, Missouri, Arkansas at Missouri. The very next morning, I turn on my TV, pregame show for the Iron Bowl, and there he is in New York. Next thing I know, he's texting me that he's going to be in Louisiana for episode 216. I am coming to you from Louisiana. I don't understand. Explain all of this travel. You must have great frequent flyer miles can can you send some to levy's direction so we can go to hawaii and visit john benz yes when you were an aging <laughs> when you were an aging person in the television industry you learned the word yes yes i can do that yes of course i can do that yes of course i'm happy to do that so i am happy to be here to uh, have a conversation for brian kelly as part of our pregame show oh. for the sec championship game this weekend and while Brian might not be in great humor, <laughs> given what took place in College Station over the weekend, he's a buddy. So we're going to sit down and talk about the decision to come and all the different stuff that goes into the great Brian Kelly debut here at uh, in Baton Rouge. So inquiring minds in the Mitch Unfiltered audience want to know. In fact, I can hear people establishing a spread in Vegas on this very question as we speak. Will Neuheisel... Ask him about the accent. So the question oh, is 100%. <laughs> I listen, he's a buddy. He's a buddy. I am I, I, the needle will be inserted nice. and it will twist. Oh, it will twist. Oh, we were absolutely going to talk to him about that. The exotic dancing. What the hell was that? Yeah. I mean, we're going to, we're going to get into all this stuff. I, it, it, it's under the heading of a fit, right? What's a fit? And in, in were you trying to fit in? Or is this all tongue in cheek? Because you're just laughing at yourself, the kid from Assumption College? It's going to be a fun conversation. I can tell you one topic that won't come up with Brian Kelly, 
And that's what we all witnessed up here in the Northwest on Saturday late night when the University of Washington, your old football team, went on the road to Pullman. You remember that rivalry very well. Oh, yes, I do. And Michael Penix Jr. and Kalen DeBoer, they just, they're the gift that just keeps on giving 480 yards later, 51-33. And now we await the Utah, you, you and I discussed it last week on Unfiltered. If Utah, We said it's granddaddy baby, I, granddaddy you, baby. Now, I can tell you this, that Utah and USC played one hell of a football game the first time around on October the 15th. I think it was 43 to 42. Utah That's got exactly the better of was. USC. Will USC avenge and send themselves to the, to the college football playoff? And in so doing... Send a University of Washington upstart program to the Rose Bowl, the granddaddy of them all. I believe they will. I do believe that. I think that uh, SC is playing as well as possible right now. Uh, Caleb Williams all but assured himself of the Heisman Trophy uh, with the last two performances, both for giant audiences. You know, it's one thing to be on a Heisman stage, it's another thing to have built the stage and uh, perform beautifully on it. And that's exactly what Caleb Williams has done. I would say that not only can they get themselves to the playoff and Caleb Williams assure himself a spot in that, you know, pantheon of great Trojans who've gone on to win a Heisman. They also have a coach of the year uh, candidate in Lincoln Riley that can go and get that almost secured by, by having a great, uh, game against Utah, avenging the one loss that they suffered. And people forget that there were a lot of calls in that game that were questionable. But uh, yeah, I think it's all out there for them. And I expect them to perform really well. Does Caleb Williams have to have a good game in the Pac-12 title game to win the Heisman? Or could he have something of of an average or a less than average game and still win the award? He's close to have having the ability to, to kind of be just Caleb rather than, you know, Superhuman. The, the sensational Caleb. Yeah, he, he's close to that, but he ensures it with it. And, and I think they need to win. I think they need to win because Max Duggan, while not as sensational, if they go undefeated, Sonny Dykes and Max Duggan get themselves a spot on that stage. And especially if Max Duggan does something heroic to get them over the edge to beat uh, Kansas state in Arlington. I'm going to come back to TCU. I'm going to come back to USC. I'm going to come back to the college football playoff because there's obviously a lot of intrigue on what could happen, what might happen. And of course I feel it my responsibility to throw as good a knuckleball at you as humanly possible. Which Come on, I Hoyt do. Wilhelm. <laughs> bring it. Bring it, Necro. Which, which I will. Bring it. Well, I, which I will. But first, just another great performance by Kalen DeBoer. Another great performance by Michael Penix. I know I've asked you this before. I'm going to ask you it again. To the, to the novice, to just the college football fan who watches these games, they would say, C.J. Stroud, really good. Bryce Young, really good. But Michael Penix, I watch Washington. I don't see anything that Young and Stroud do that Michael Penix doesn't do. Every single game, he he shows a great arm. He shows great accuracy. He shows great arm strength. And yet, 
when you pick up these mock drafts, all you see is Stroud one or Young one and Stroud two, one and two in the in the upcoming draft. And we don't we don't even see Michael Penix's name. Maybe he's a mid rounder. Maybe he's a second rounder. Explain to the normal college football fan what we're missing. What is it that he doesn't do that that would have him in that same breath atop the first round as those other two guys? When you began the question, I thought you were going to lead me down the road of why isn't he getting the Heisman buzz? No. Uh, that the others, but uh, the reason would be as it was for Christian McCaffrey, not enough eyeballs watching, right? Given the time slots that the Huskies are getting. And that's a little bit of why we don't see him on the uh, scouting reports right now, but that will change as they scour these, these tapes thoroughly. But if you find somebody that you deem, you know, sensational in a first rounder, you don't want to blab it to the world. You'd like him to be kind of yours. And so that's why you're not getting a lot of preseason hype and now hype. But as the season goes on and we get closer to April and May, if in fact, Michael Penix is, is off to the next level, his name will continue to rise. And I do believe he'll be a first rounder. The question will be after the physicals and the durability. Okay. Well, maybe you just answer the question. If I could get an NFL scout in this room with me right now, and he were to admit that, yeah, we look at Young and we look at Stroud and then everybody else. And I said to him, okay, so what don't you see in this left-hander? That what is it? What is he missing? Is that what they would say? Durability injury? Or would there be something about his game? Something about his delivery? Something about him? Maybe that maybe you would tell me. They'd say, Mitch, every one of his 330 completions this year is to a wide open guy. He's got such a great offensive scheme. He's he doesn't have to throw the ball in tight windows. I don't know. I'm just I'm just dreaming things You're up. You're throwing Rick. stuff out. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I think as they watch Kalen DeBoer's offense, they're going to see a lot of that. They're gonna but but it's 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 the NFL stuff. I mean, they're they're big over routes, they're big crossing routes. He has the arm to hit the NFL throws. What he hasn't done over the length of his career, Indiana and now Washington is be consistent as a 65 to 70% passer, which is what you want when you, as you elevate to the next level, because people are as open in the NFL, but they don't stay open. The speed to catch up to those people is such that you need some measure of anticipation and then you need great accuracy and his accuracy until getting to Washington was suspect other than the one year he played for DeBoer. And that being the case, that's why he's here at Washington. And we'll just wait and see what the uh, the minds that study it. And I'll do some study of it after the season's over, too. But it has been a remarkable season. And what fun for Husky fans as they sit and await, hopefully, a trip to Pasadena. College football playoff. Does it matter who's one and two? Who should be one? Georgia one, Michigan two, or vice versa? Georgia one, Michigan two. You could make the argument that the Ohio State victory at Ohio State's the most impressive victory of the season, and you would be hard-pressed to be argued with. But I think given where they sit and given that Georgia really hasn't, you know, had a setback, I think that they'll stay uh, consistent with one and two uh Georgia and then Michigan. Georgia can lose to LSU, remain in the four, right? 
I think that's accurate. I do think that's accurate. uh, And I think it's probably accurate of Michigan to Purdue. I was going to ask the same question. Michigan could lose to Purdue. I think it's probably accurate of both of them. Okay. You ready for Phil Necro? You ready for Hoyt Wilhelm? Come on. Bring that knuckler. We've got Georgia and Michigan in the final four either way, win or lose. Right. TCU loses as a very slight favorite against Kansas State in the Big 12 championship game. They lose. USC loses for a second time to Utah as just a slight favorite against Utah in the Pac-12 championship game. So now we're sitting with two losses amongst the top four. We've got Ohio State with a loss, an ugly loss at home to Michigan and not qualified for their conference tournament or their conference uh, championship game. Right. And we've got Alabama just sitting there. Nikki Saban, yes. everybody's just assuming he's going to a lesser bowl game. Will they be Not motivated so. to play? Will Bryce Young yes. withdraw? <laughs> These games are are three-point games. These are very uh, close games, Rick. You're exactly right, Mitch. What will be fascinating Tuesday night will be where Alabama is relative to Ohio State because one of those teams is in the first position to slide in and the other is in position two to slide in. Both could get there should there be losses uh, by both those teams that you just mentioned. I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that Ohio State will be ahead of Alabama. They have one less loss, and their one loss was to the one or two teams. But it was at home, and it was a drubbing. Yeah. It was. I still think Ohio State will be ahead of them. I think Ohio State will be ahead of Alabama. It was a drubbing. And therein lies, you just can't not see it. So is Rick Neuheisel on the record as saying, Georgia and Michigan win, they're in. TCU loses close to Kansas State. USC loses close to Utah. Your four teams are Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, and Alabama, or does TCU or USC stay in in a close loss? I can't see USC staying in in a close loss. Losing twice to Utah is unforgivable. Can't get it. Can't can't get a pass from the from the uh, principal. Okay. TCU, if you could give me a scenario where TCU might, but uh, I just think there'd be a real <laughs> yearning to get Alabama in there. There's just this lure. Of uh, Mount Saban, just as radioactive. I want back in. Okay. And don't you know if they let him in, he'll win. (laughs) David Shaw is finished at Stanford. Yeah. You got any candidates? Somebody's, uh, somebody's. uh, Chris Peterson. Chris Peterson's being floated around. That all of a sudden he's going to get back in. That's a great candidate. Yeah. I think Chris Peterson would love the uh, culture at Stanford. Uh, I think he would be exactly what they're looking for. And if he's got the energy and got the stuff to want to do it again, he would be terrific there. Matt Rule at Nebraska. Like it? It's going to be interesting. Matt Rule did a nice job at Temple. Expectations being what they are at Temple. Did a nice job at Baylor. That 11-win season was a terrific one. He can get better players at Baylor than he can at Nebraska. The question is, how is he going to get his players? at Nebraska uh, in the Big Ten. And so I'm I'm curious to see how it all plays out. Obviously, when he didn't have great players, he didn't do well in the NFL. What do you think of the Lane Kiffin shenanigans? He's going to take the Auburn job, and then he's tweeting 
I think Jimmy Sexton is a genius. He's a world domination. Yeah, I mean, he's like uh, pulling all these. He's like a you know marionette. It's like uh, the puppet master. Yeah. He's just pulling all the strings. Lane Kiffin lost his last three games and is going to get a $2 million raise. He lost his last three games and is going to get a $2 million raise. Yeah. Mark Stoops is going to get an extension and a $2 million raise to go seven and five. I'm like, this is a wonderful world. <laughs> these guys are living in. Wonderful. What, uh, what a country. Um, what a country. If you were the athletic director at your old stomping grounds, Colorado, would you hire Deion Sanders? I think Dion brings with him such cachet that he's worth absolutely going to the, uh, to the final stages of, of inquiring now who he brings with him and how he handles, you know, uh, a relative lack of experience doing this is important so that it can get off to a great start. But given the changing landscape and, you know, transfer portal and NIL, nobody better than, uh, than Deion Sanders to bring that kind of attraction to a program. So, yes. So, and, and, and I worked with Dion when he was with the Ravens and he's a wonderful guy. So I, I, this will work whether it's Colorado or maybe closer to his home. And, you know, you, he was with the Falcons. I thought Georgia tech would have been a perfect spot for okay. him. We got into that point of the show where we have to identify some people. Thanks to taco time Northwest who uh, did some work over the weekend. There's some obvious candidates, some real oh, obvious, obvious candidates, candidates. I don't like to go in that direction. I know you, know you don't. I know you don't. That's why I'm going to defer. <laughs> Are I'm, you, you know, just I do not want to take yours. So oh. I'm going to allow you to to go out and just tell the world who's doing some work for the great Mitch Levy as well as Taco. Let Time. me just say that Taco Time Northwest is such a great partner. Thanks to them, we have all this great football programming and content like Rick Neuheisel celebrating 60 years in the Northwest. TacoTimeNW.com loves celebrating those that do some work. I'm going to go first. Okay, you've deferred. And I'm going to go first by asking you a trivia question. After all of your travels, you started in <laughs> Columbia, Missouri, Manhattan. Como, they Baton, like to call it there, Mitch. Como. Como. Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So I wouldn't expect you to be able to get this trivia question right. Who is the leading rusher? Who's the ground king of the 2022 college football season nationally? Can you name the man that has amassed the most yards on the ground in all of college football, Rick Neuheisel? Oh, goodness. It's not Blake Corum. Uh, tell me who it is. It's a little known name from UAB, Alabama, oh. Birmingham. Let me tell you about this young man by the name of Dwayne McBride. They yes. call him Debo. He went into the last game of the year, a hundred or so yards in second place, chasing down the crown. And what did he do in a 37-27 victory over Louisiana Tech? On 16 carries. 272 yards. Put that in your pipe and smoke it, New Heisel. That's 17 yards per carry. When did you ever see a guy in a competitive football game, a competitive college football game, 
Average 17 yards a carry on 16 carries. Not on four or five. On 16 carries. He went for 272. He finishes the year at 1,713 yards and 19 touchdowns. And he's the king of the ground in college football. He is rising up the draft charts as we speak. His name is Dwayne McBride, a Florida product who went for 272 yards over the weekend against La Tech. And he, my friend, is the dictionary definition of who was doing <laughs> some work, courtesy of Taco Time and Taco Time Northwest. Can I tell you who was doing some work for sure, me? Sure. And you know how close I am to this person because he and I go way back. The great Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> Jimmy Harbaugh took his team into the shoe where only two of his players had ever played before, where they hadn't had success since the early 2000s. And he put one on the Buckeyes by having their longest four touchdowns of the season all in the same game. J.J. McCarthy hit the two longest passes of the season. And in the fourth quarter, they busted off two long runs, the longest runs for the Wolverines on the season. And then if, if that wasn't enough, <laughs> he went home and took the team to an ice hockey game. Sure did. He took them out on the ice. <laughs> take the adoring crowd. <laughs> Jimmy Harbaugh was doing some work and somewhere as he was out trying to keep his footing on the slick surface, that is an ice rink. He was thinking to himself, what do you think about that? Ricky? <laughs> <laughs> and based on what you saw from Ohio State at home in the second half against Michigan, should we put Ohio State with C.J. Stroud, let's say he plays, in the granddaddy of them all against a Washington team that can throw it against anybody with the best of them, would you give Washington a puncher's chance oh, in absolutely. that game? Absolutely. It will be much like the Ohio State Rose Bowl from a year ago, which I sat and watched with Utah, a 48-45, 45-42 type of thriller. We'll get another one of those. Okay. The granddaddy will be just a wash in splendor and touchdowns. So at 9-3 and three after conquering the Minnesota game, 9-3 and three against the spread, I can hear Bob Levy right now saying, that's it. Post the score. It's like going out early on Sunday and shooting 64 and getting into the clubhouse and say, <laughs> let's you guys come get me now. I just posted 64. Or do you want to walk back on the golf course and put the 64 up for grabs? Listen, as much as I revere the great Bob Levy, there's this is no time to rest on one's laurels. Really? We are taking it back out because we're going to finish the drive. It, when you take when you take a Sunday drive, you don't sputter in. You finish with a flurry. Okay. We are going to get Washington to the Rose Bowl by having USC do what they need to do and cover that victory in Las Vegas. It'll be the Trojans over the Utes. The Trojans defense will be part of the scene. And uh, Caleb Williams will put the exclamation point on what has been a brilliant, brilliant season. And thank goodness we got to all watch those last two games because otherwise they may have been obscured. He's really, really talented. USC minus three. 
Yes. In Las Vegas against Utah. And that's your 13th pick to try to get to 10 and three against the spread. Find me somebody who did better than that, <laughs> who did more work than that, Ricky boy. Yes, sir. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Rick Neuheisel, somewhere in the great state of Louisiana. <laughs> who knows where in the world he'll be when we talk to him next. Thanks so very much. Enjoy Brian Kelly. I look forward to hearing that interview and tell CBS, don't dare. Don't <laughs> dare edit out that question about the fake accent to Brian. We'll Kelly. <laughs> get to the family. Yeah, we'll get to it. Thank you, Rick. See you, my friend. Hey, look who I found. It's Katie Versio, Director of Financial Planning for Evergreen Golf Call, an incredible partner of Mitch Unfiltered. Katie, how's everyone doing over there at, at Evergreen? We're doing very well, Mitch. How are you? Uh, very well. I'll have you know. Everyone knows by now. Mitch went three for three last time. I'm expecting that the streak is going to continue. Do we have a theme today? Yes. Yeah, so theme today, we're doing an economic update. So I pulled some questions from our most recent podcast, the Evergreen Exchange. Yep. It's a biweekly podcast that we put out. It discusses investing, the economy, and other financial planning topics. So for those who are interested in learning more, you can find the Evergreen Exchange anywhere you listen to podcasts. Which is also produced by our producer, Steve. So I'm ready for questions. Question number one, Katie, go. Okay, so the Federal Reserve has been increasing interest rates in 2022 to slow down the economy and fight inflation. Has this year had the quickest increase in rates in 40 years? Is that true or false? Yeah, I think it's true. I think I read something about 40 years. I'll say true, Katie. That's right. The fastest tightening cycle this year. The second fastest was in 1995-1996. We find that the Fed really tends to overcorrect when they're during these tightening cycles, and that has pushed us into recessions historically. We're expecting them to increase rates two more times here in 2022, and so that's part of the reason why the markets are down so substantially, with stocks and bonds both down about 20%. And now I'm on a four-question streak. Let's make it five. Question oh. number two, Katie. All right. Since 1950, there's been 14 Fed hiking cycles where they increase interest rates. How many of these 14 cycles have ended in a recession? Is it six, nine, 11 or 14? Would be a total guess. I can't believe it's 14 and I'm sure six is way too low. I'll go 11. I'll go C, Katie. That's right. You got that one right. Yes! Typically, what the Fed is trying to do when they increase interest rates is to have a soft landing to ease the economy, to slow it down, but not slow it down too much. And historically, they have not been very successful in doing so. Oh, my God. I'm five for my last five. Shall we quit now or do we go to a question three, Katie? We'll see. This one's a tough one. Okay. Interest rates have increased dramatically this year, which has really shifted the income markets. So in October of 2021, a year ago, a two-year Treasury bond was yielding 0.5%. So today, what is that yield? Is it 2.5%, 3.5%, 4%, or 4.5%? Ooh, 3.5%? Stab in the dark? So you didn't quite get that one right. It's actually D, 4.5%. I tried to trick you with that one by putting it on the end there. It's been a huge amount of income pickup over the last year from 0.5% to 4.5% for these bonds. So we're finding a lot more opportunities in the income markets versus what we saw a year ago. So while we think there will be continued volatility in the stock market, we're finding a lot of more opportunities to increase income. For those that are interested in learning more about this, how we're positioning portfolio, 
portfolios. I'd recommend listening to our most recent podcast and checking out our website at evergreengk.com. And of course, the Evergreen Exchange every other week from Evergreen Golf Call, a great partner of Mitch Unfiltered and everything wealth. Unfiltered. There's nothing he's going to do next year. Like they go undefeated and he wins the Heisman Trophy. He's not going to get drafted higher. I the the outlet the thing I don't know how much does he like being at Washington? He's older. He might be. I mean, he's this is his sixth season in college, right? Like he still has a year of eligibility left. He he might be ready for the next chapter of his life, even if he knew he wasn't going to be drafted. He's like, let's. So, hey, if he came back, that'd be awesome. Episode 216, and this is a little different. He's been on the free show before, but typically, Daniel Timothy O'Neill, my friend, and I, we we chat about all things sports and non-sports on the patron shows, but you couldn't do the patron show last week, Thanksgiving week, could you? I could not. I was I was on the road. I was unavailable. I was in a place where cell reception was spotty and, and wireless. Wireless was a little dicey. I think it might even be more interesting to hear about where you were than frustrate all of us to talk about what happened on Sunday here at Lumen Field. So let's start with Yosemite for Thanksgiving. This is a a long and storied, rich history that the O'Neill clan, not just the O'Neills, but the extended O'Neills have with Yosemite. Tell us. Can you tell us in, in like two minutes or do you need more than two minutes? No, I can do it in two minutes. My dad was part of a very Irish Catholic family. He had nine siblings. They multiplied, as Irish Catholics tend to do. There are 37 <laughs> People in my generation, sort of who were referred to as the grandchildren, there was a grandmother, my grandfather, Babo, who was kind of the patriarch, and they started a tradition, they've been doing it for 50 years now, of going to Yosemite, to Wawona, which is a little, it's like a village. There's probably a couple hundred cabins that are there. And I went for the first 10 years of my life, we would drive down from Oregon. Then my family stopped going because my dad got really sick and then my father passed away when I was I was 13. And we didn't totally drift from the family, but a little bit. My mom remarried and then I was an adult and I was working. So this is the fifth the fifth time I've been back. Nice. For the 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 O'Neill family gathering, there how many? Still how many six, people? Well, we counted it up. I was saying sixty-five. Ooh. We think it's we think it's more, it was more like fifty-five. Fifty-five people were there. Yeah, yeah, fifty-five. And what is Thanksgiving at Yosemite with fifty-five O'Neills like? What kind it's of fantastic? Word would you use to describe this? It's mayhem. <laughs> it's 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 the best kind of mayhem. I've got rambunctious cousins who plan games. There was a soccer match that was played on Saturday. There are hikes that go around. Uh, My aunt Cease, she cooked four turkeys, Mitch. There are all sorts of stories that are told about Bobo, the patriarch. He he wanted to see bears, so he left a turkey carcass out one year. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) That's that's not advisable. Uh, There was another year where Vaughn's, the supermarket chain, was giving away a turkey if you spent $100 on groceries. So all of the O'Neills came up there overflowing with turkeys. There were five leftover turkeys that were cooked. Five full whole uneaten birds after one particular Thanksgiving. Was more or less defense played in the soccer game 
than was played at Lumen Field by the Seahawks on Sunday afternoon. Local I'm gonna say I'm gonna say more because a couple <laughs> a couple oh. of my cousins' kids, so I guess they're second cousins. They brought cleats with them. It was serious. It was serious. We got a college soccer player involved. Yeah, it was a bad. So yes, more more defense. More defense was played uh, in that soccer match than we saw at Lumen Field, which was pretty sorry showing. What's going on with defense? And football teams in the Northwest. I know you're still so excited and tipsy over your beloved alma mater. The Apple Cup's victory, the Apple Cup victory over Washington State. A great chance now to go to the Rooks. You do? Why do you feel bad for the Cougs? Well, they had their hopes all up. For what? They they, they thought it was going pretty well at halftime. They thought they... They had us right where they wanted us. And I always, while I feel some satisfaction, I also feel a little bit of pain for them. This is so disingenuous. Go ahead. No. Yes, it is. Come on. Yes, it is. You hate to see them get let down because they try so hard, (laughs) Mitch. (laughs) They try so hard and they've they've had a good year and I just don't want them to get discouraged. Danny. I I think they got a heck of a coach in Jake Dickert. I just don't want them to feel too bad. Danny, you are alienating like half of whatever audience I've got on Mitch Unfiltered. You realize okay, you're doing that, that. That's, that's fair. My that's fault. not nice. Okay. That's my fault. That's when you say something to a friend and you don't expect it to get back to the other person. It's a bad judgment call, but it's not like I was trying to hurt anyone's feelings. And if I had the foggiest idea that Coogs had access to the internet. <laughs> oh, I would have I would have never said that. I would have I would have never said that. So that's my fault. Why is this happening on Mitch Unfiltered? I didn't realize that I was going to be the platform for I mean, after you win, I like the good natured jabbing before the game is. But you won. You guys won. Let it go. You won. You might be going to the Rose Bowl. If Utah somehow loses the rematch to USC, which I think they will on Friday night. The Washington Huskies, you could be watching Michael Penix in the Rose Bowl against Ohio State University. How about that? I've got some mixed Isn't feelings. Isn't that enough? That. That's enough. I got some I've got some mixed feelings about that, Mitch. Why? I don't know if I want to go to the Rose Bowl and give up 70 to Ohio State. Who cares? They're going to the Rose no, Bowl. No, I care. That that looks that feels worse. This has been an incredible season. Look, I'll probably eventually, if they go to the Rose Bowl, I'm going to go. I, I've, I vowed that I'll always go if they go to the Rose Bowl and, and I'll be happy about it. And maybe we'll catch an Ohio State team that that is is underwhelmed and feeling feeling the bottoms dropped out for them. This is not a team that that's, that's a Rose Bowl team. <laughs> it's not. Like, I think we all know that. Like, they've they've played really well, and they got a hell of a quarterback, and they got some really good wide receivers. But this, I've seen Rose Bowl teams, and this is not a Rose Bowl team. Just because they don't play defense? USC doesn't play. At all. USC doesn't play defense. They play more defense than UW does. I think you've got them undersold here. Really? Undervalued here. Yeah. Yeah, I I give them a great chance to beat Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. I don't know Every what time as, as I see said, Dom Hampton, who I like and is a thumper, but he's six foot five, two hundred and twenty pounds, and they put him on somebody in the slot, and I'm like, what are you guys doing? And then I see the back of his jersey. I I'm, I'm able to read his name. Like they don't they don't keep guys from going over the top. So I have some mixed feelings. Should you go to the Rose Bowl if you don't qualify for your conference's championship yes, game? Yes, you should. 
Are you sure? You think that Utah should go if they lose to USC and lose no, to the fourth time? No, I don't. Do you think that I nobody don't. nobody from the conference should go if USC goes to the final four? I'm just saying I got some mixed emotions yeah. about it. I'm just, I, I don't know how it'll feel if you go 10 and two, which is this home run success and you just get dragged in the Rose Bowl. Won't that, won't that take some of the shine off of it? Like For, I don't. Number one, Ohio State's in the same situation as you are. Should the Ohio State people be saying, hey, do we deserve, should we not go to the Rose Bowl because Michigan is going to the final four? They didn't win any conference championship in the Big Ten. That's number one. And number two, apparently you were doing something in Yosemite and not watching Michigan, Ohio State in Columbus. Because anybody anybody who watched Michigan, Ohio State, especially the second half in Columbus, knows that if Michigan could hang 25 or 30 on Ohio State in one half, Michael Penix, they are going to score on Ohio State. Now, maybe they'll get outscored, and maybe it'll be one of those games that they lose 62 to 59. But I think you've got them way undervalued, and I think you've got Ohio State way overvalued. And I think if they play at full strength, Stroud plays for Ohio State, Penix plays for Washington, and that game actually happens. We'll see if it happens. I absolutely give Washington a chance to win that game, and I expect it to be a highly competitive, highly entertaining, and highly scored game in the Rose Bowl. You've got me sold, Mitch. I'm ready to go. Come I'm, on. I'm, I've been t- I've been talked out of my negative Nelly feeling and the and the worries the worries that I have about it. I, I'm I, I'm all on board. I'll be there with bells on. I don't get it. Is this self-deprecation? Is this falling on the sword to try to guard against being disappointed? Is this after yeah. taking shots at Washington State fans, feeling like you need to be a little bit more humble, so you're going to say that Washington doesn't deserve to be in the Rose Bowl? I don't get this this version of – I don't like this version of Danny O'Neill. I've just – I've watched that team this whole season, and I feel that like 10-2, and two, I'm really proud of the way that they've played, and I love the direction – I just feel they've got this big, massive ward on their nose where I'm just like, I, but you're right. Like they go there, they they can score with anybody. Of course. And they've they been can. really competitive. Like the, the games they've not, they've not been outclassed and they played tough teams and they've done well. Like they handled an Oregon state game. We team, we saw how good that team can be. So you're right. You're right. I should be. I should be more confident. There's just. I've been on the receiving end a couple of those New Year's Day bowls where I was like, I don't really know if this team should be there, and it stinks when you go to one of those bowls and get dragged, like Penn State kind of did in the Fiesta Bowl. In some ways, it was a little closer. Ohio State in the Rose Bowl in in 2018. That wasn't that wasn't super fun either. The one thing they said about the Michigan offense going into the Ohio State game is they've got no down the field passing game. None. Yeah. They had done and that everything. Guy was running behind them all game. It was unbelievable. It was unbelievable what Ohio State gave up in the biggest game of the year on their home field against their rival. I think you've I, got Ohio State way too high on your list. Way too I, high on your list. I did really enjoy watching Ohio State <laughs> throw up on itself. Which, I, I will which say coach, that. You, which coach do you like least between I Day and Harbaugh? I, I kind of like Harbaugh in the way that he is specifically annoying to other Big Ten coaches. It was the same reason I I couldn't stand him, and there are things about him that drive me up a wall, and I don't think he's a particularly nice person at all, but it's funny to watch him aggravate other people if he's not in a position 
to bother you on a daily basis. So I'll tell you what. Since you don't think they belong and you're worried about getting dragged <laughs> and all that's that not stuff. what I, I didn't, I just was worried. I'm just a little, I've got some mixed emotions, I think was my, my, my phrase. I didn't say they don't belong. You kind of did. You say, do I they kinda belong? Did. You kind of did. <laughs> was I here the last 15 minutes? You kind of did. Yeah. What did I say? That's you, not, that's not a Rose Bowl team. I think that's exactly And what is I it said. fair that a team that didn't play in the Pac-12 championship game, go to the Rose Why don't you just go ahead and root for Utah this Friday, cheer for the Utes. If the Utes win, the Utes will go to the Rose Bowl. USC will go to what? The Alamo Bowl. And you guys can go to either Las Vegas or the Holiday Bowl. Las Vegas or San Diego play a lot lesser team than Ohio State and have a much better chance of winning. And so you do that. And while you're doing that, me, the guy who doesn't really even care that much, who's got a son at the University of Washington, I'm going to root for USC to kick Utah's ass. I'm going to root for USC to go to the Final Four. I'm going to root for Washington to go play Ohio State in the Rose Bowl, in the granddaddy of them all. And I might just take my oldest son on a plane on January 2nd and go down there and chant one more year to Michael Penix Jr. One more year. That's what I might do. You're right, Mitch. <laughs> You're right. When it, oh. when you when you phrase it that way, the idea of rooting for an outcome that sends you to the Alamo Bowl, that roots you. Do they still have the Craft Fight Hunger Bowl in San Francisco? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Rooting to be sent to a lesser bowl, although Holiday Bowl in San Diego is always, always good, always, always good. quite nice, and it's always a good game. It's always a great game. Yeah. I hold the Rose Bowl. I, I think the Rose Bowl is the best sporting event in the calendar year. It's my favorite thing. The sun setting in the second half over the San Gabriel Mountains, how it feels there. I love the parade, the whole thing. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna be rooting. I'm gonna be rooting for USC on Friday night. Before, I want to see USC, and then I and then I want to see USC get dragged <laughs> in the first of those semifinal games. Before we adjourn, and I send you back to patron only shows on Thursday mornings. Do you want to take a shot on what we saw on Sunday with the Seahawks? Do we think the as the bubble burst, has the balloon burst, and this is the beginning, a more expected outcome that we thought was coming when the season began? Or will they rebound from this post-nine victories and get into the playoffs as a wild-card NFC team? I think they're going to get into the playoffs. Still? Uh, yeah. I don't think they're going to fall out of the playoffs. The defense... The defense is a problem. Now, unfortunately, it looks like they're going to have a really high draft pick. Right right now, I believe it's number three overall. By the way, do you see Russell Wilson got yelled at by a guy who has like three and a half career sacks? <laughs> I did on the sideline, yeah. It's brutal. Uh, yeah. Like kickers are it's ripping fun. him, and now a guy fun. with three and a half sacks in seven seasons in the pros is yelling at him on the number sidelines. Number three overall, Danny, maybe. Yeah. You could get the best non-quarterback in the entire draft. You can get the number one if it's the guy out of Alabama, Will Anderson, or if it's the defensive tackle from Georgia. It looks like the Seahawks, if the Denver Broncos keep losing, will have their choice of any defensive player in all of college football. Imagine that. They're going to need it because <laughs> there's... Uh, that run defense. Oh my God. You can live with the pass defense. The run defense is killing them. And Josh Jacobs is a pretty good running back, but you saw the way the defense, I mean, both times where the offense first after the turnover, 
Next play, what? 30-yard touchdown run. Right. Here was the punt. Next play, 86-yard touchdown run. Coming on the heels of what happened last week, and you start to feel that, okay, whatever they had, quote-unquote, fixed. Oh, yeah. Bruce Servin's one of their best defensive linemen, and he was a guy that wasn't on the team at the start of the season. And I think that speaks to what you've gotten or haven't gotten from Dale Taylor and Boye Maffe. They do have some real issues. And if they're not getting pressure on the quarterback, which for a long part, look, I thought I thought they I thought they'd knock Derek Carr out of the game. In the first quarter, he's sitting yeah. there, he's rolling yeah. around. Yeah. Jared Stidham's warming up on the sidelines. I was like, you're gonna get a Stidham game. And it didn't turn out that way at all. And what they hit him like twice more after that. Puna Terrible. Ford had a sack. Terrible. Yeah, there there are some issues. I do think that run defense is one of the only things that you can actually fix. Like I I I think for the most part, like when you I think run defense is something you can actually fix, which is the reason why I think they'll still end up getting into the playoffs. But that's that's troubling to see see what's happened these Well, past I got two news games. for you, Daniel Timothy O'Neill of the Dang Apostrophe. I got news for you. They had two weeks to fix it after the Tampa Bay Buccaneers disaster in Germany, where I blame the field and I said, We're gonna throw this one out. We're all just going to ignore this one. It was a weird game in Germany on a bad field. They've been playing great football. We're just going to put our hands over this. And in two weeks from now, when they face the Raiders at home, we'll get back to where we were. They had two weeks. You say it's fixable, the the run defense. Uh. You can fix run defense. You can you can okay. you can fix run defense. Okay. I think I think they'll get that part of it fixed. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, you can hear him with me each and every Thursday. We release a new show for patrons, formerly of everywhere in Seattle. Times seven ten, Mitch Unfiltered. Also, read him on the dang apostrophe. How do we do for the free show? Do we do well enough for the free show? I hope so. <laughs> I, I feel like I've been I've been cast in the central spotlight. Where you took me out of the shadows, like usually you have me hidden off. Yeah. And now you showed me off to company. So I hope I I hope I didn't disappoint. And what you did to thank me is you came out of the gate and just took a shot at all Washington State Cougar fans that listen to Mitch Unfiltered. Every single one of them are pissed off at me right now. Every single well, one of them. I mean, the schools has like most schools have like Math 101, Math oh, 102. Here we go. Here we the go. The Cougs have Math 1 oh. subtraction. And math two, which is addition, subtraction's tricky little friend. And now you're telling me that they use the internet? I didn't know that. I I didn't know that. Physics one, fire. Ladies and gentlemen, the dang apostrophes, Daniel Timothy O'Neill and Mitch Unfiltered contributor, especially for the patrons. Go back to your patrons corner, Danny. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Mitch. You know, there's nothing quite like the holiday season at Daniel's Broiler and Here's my friend, CEO Lindsey Schwartz. And if you can take your mind off of USC football for just a half second, can you tell us how everything's going? You bet, Mitch. I'll take my mind off it for a couple of minutes for you. <laughs> we love the holidays. You know we love the holidays. I, it feels like Daniels was just built for the holidays. I know you've celebrated Thanksgiving yep. at Daniels with the family. It just kind of kicks off on Thanksgiving and rolls all the way through to New Year's Eve. All four restaurants are going to be really busy. We already are pretty well booked up. You know, it's fun in the bars. It's fun in the dining rooms. It's fun in the private dining rooms. It's, uh, it's going to be a great month at all four restaurants. The Huskies are good. 
The Seahawks are good. Football is good. And the best bus boy at the Bellevue location, Max Levy, came home the other night and said, you're not going to believe this. They finally put TVs at Daniels Bellevue. Now, how is it possible for 35 years I haven't been able to watch a football game in the bar area at Daniels Bellevue? Is that possible? Is that true? I mean, as ridiculous as it, <laughs> as it sounds to hear you say it, it's partially true. You've been able to watch in Prime 21, which is kind of the back bar there. It's always had a couple of TVs. There have not been TVs in the main bar what? until we just completed this remodel what? and put them in. And, and, and I know that sounds bizarre, but the reason is, as you know, we've got the piano there. We've got the great piano bar. We've got Jim Washburn, who's been with us over 30 years. He's the star of the show, and he's the reason people... Hold on. come to the bar, so we didn't want to have anything competing. Hold on a second. What nights does Jim Washburn sing and play at Daniels Bellevue? So he used to, he actually, <laughs> back in the day, he used to be there five nights a week, three or four nights a week now. But yeah, back in the day, he, he was he was almost always there. But I know what you're going to say. You he never not, played on Mondays. Okay, do you, and, not, do you not know that there actually is football on Mondays? You know what, Mitch? Better late than never is what I like to say. So uh, you got, now for the rest of your life, you can watch Monday Night Football at Daniels Bellevue. I, I want to know what the boss is ordering and what the boss's family is. In fact, I want to know how often you have dinner at one of the four lovely locations of Daniel's Broiler and what you're ordering these days. Well, I'm probably there once a week, not always for dinner, maybe yeah. sometimes for appetizer and a, and a drink, you know, but I'm an eight ounce filet mignon guy. I have been for a long time. Piedmontese is, is one of the varieties that we do. And I like that one a lot. My wife loves the fresh salmon. My kids who are teenagers now still eat like they did when they were, <laughs> when they were little kids, they still get the, uh, they love the popcorn oh, shrimp. They love the steak strips. They'll get that for their entree. Why not the big boy for you? Why only eight ounces? Well, Mitch, I've been meaning to talk to you. You know, when guys get to be our age, may want to slow it down a little bit. But uh, but for the young people out there, yeah, I, I, I would go with the big boy. Ladies and gentlemen, Lindsey Schwartz, Daniels Broiler, four tremendous locations, have been a supporter of mine for years and years, going back on the radio and now at the podcast. Daniels Broiler, world-class steakhouses. Unfiltered. Two running backs in the game, both Homer and Walker. Geno Smith going to throw for it, and he's got it. This is Homer. Homer to the five, to the end zone. Touchdown, Seattle. Jacobs. Jacobs with running room right up the middle. Jacobs is on his way. The Raiders are going to win this game. We did not play the run worth a darn in getting that done, and it affected. We didn't rush the passer as well as we needed to either. So, um... You know, it's that's just what happened in this game, and uh, you know, you, I got to give them credit. They they outplayed us and got their win, um, but it's really frustrating because the, the the game is there to be won. Five hundred and seventy-six yards. Yes, Brady, is that the number? Five seventy-six. That's it. The third most yards given up by a Seattle Seahawks team in team history in a forty to thirty-four loss. It's time. For the Seahawks, no table. What happened in overtime against the Raiders that leaves now the Seahawks outside of the playoff picture looking in in the NFC? An unexpected loss after two weeks off and a home game against the 3-7 and seven, the Las Vegas Raiders. It's brought to you by Taco Time Northwest. 
Taco Time Northwest, 60 years and always looking for new team members at tacotimenw.com. Brady Henderson, who remains at the stadium for this episode of the No Table, and of course, Joe Fan in Las Vegas. Joe, we'll start with you. Have you ever seen a Seahawks team manhandled at the line of scrimmage on both sides in a combined aggregate way, have you ever watched what you saw on Sunday in the loss to the Raiders? Yeah, it was bad. I mean, it really it depended how you looked at the Bucks game in Germany. And I think I sort of uh, wrongly gave them a pass for a lot of things that happened, whether it was the travel or the field or whatever. And I said, you know what? They've shown enough the last month to get the benefit of the doubt. I was wrong because what happened against the Bucks in Germany was exponentially worse on Sunday against the Raiders in what was a really, really egregiously poor performance defensively. And I know we can go down the list of what happened offensively and need to run the football better. And Gino made some big mistakes, but the reality is you can't expect to win many games score or giving up 40 points. It felt a lot like the saints game earlier in the season and the lack of any semblance of a pass rush, not having anything. I mean, all season, you know, from boy, Mafe or Daryl Taylor is just a glaring void on the defense. I mean, we all love Bruce Irvin. Bruce Irvin's a really fun guy. It's a great story to see him back in a Seahawks uniform. He shouldn't be an every down player. I mean, he was on his couch a month ago or a month and a half, two months ago, whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, you could drive a Mack truck through the holes that Josh Jacobs was running through, including the one where he scored an 86 yarder to, to win the game, the walk-off touchdown where he quite literally went untouched for 86 yards. So yeah, it's definitely major concern time. If we're going to talk about this team as a wild card team in the NFC, especially with how hot the commanders have been. The 49ers, they're hitting their stride right at the time. The Seahawks are sort of reverting back to some of their early season issues on defense. And it was bad on the ground. It was not as bad through the air, but, you know, they also didn't get nearly as much uh, pressure on Derek Carr that you thought they would have. They had the one sack, I think only four hits. And, and it wasn't like, you know, this wasn't like, you know, Tom Brady and the Bucks where Brady was just getting the ball out, you know, before anybody could get there, there were some long developing plays there where they just couldn't get home. And I, you know, I, I shouldn't even harp too much on the past defense because this was a game that was won on the ground. And it was, you know, Joe said it, the just getting pushed back at the line of scrimmage uh, repeatedly. You, you did have a couple of those plays where uh, they stopped them on third down and fourth down with some really nice penetration, but by and large, they were just getting blown off the ball in this game. And, and Pete Carroll had sort of an interesting explanation saying that part of Jacob's big day, Josh Jacob's big day was uh, a function of all the attention that they paid to Devonte Adams. Now he didn't specify. I, I imagine he's talking about, uh, you know, bracketing Adams with the safety and basically taking Quandre Diggs out of the box, uh, putting him back in, in pass coverage and to where he's not going to be as much of a factor in run defense. Um, and you know, that, that play, that, plan, I guess, makes sense considering how good Devonte Adams is, but all that goes out the window when you're just missing tackles. Like the, you, you ha- if you're going to do that, your front seven guys uh, need to be really strong tacklers and they weren't today. So a product of just getting overpowered up front and uh, also not doing a good enough job at, at bringing Jacobs down when they had a chance, it was a, a recipe for a, a disaster. I'll give you a little bit of a fact here. I'm not going to call it a fun fact because people aren't going to think this is all that fun, but this was Josh Jacobs, 229 rushing yards, 
where the most the Seahawks have allowed to a single player in franchise history, surpassing the 221 rushing yards of one Bo Jackson uh, in 1986. So almost 35 years ago to the day. I just have a tough time accepting that this happened, considering that it was two weeks after that game in Germany where the Buccaneers shoved the ball down the Seahawks' throats in a similar fashion. I mean, the numbers weren't as ostentatious as they were on Sunday, Brady, but they had two weeks to kind of look at the Buccaneers thing, rest, get prepared, catch a Raiders team off an overtime game in Denver. They had all this time. They get them at home to try to figure out, okay, let's sure up the run defense a little bit. I don't know that I can accept the explanation of, oh, we were just concentrating on Devontae Adams so much that we forgot to really worry about Josh Jacobs. Yeah, and Carroll certainly wasn't putting everything on that. He was just citing that as one of the factors. And, you know, I, I think what he's saying is that having digs in the box more would have made a difference. But, you know, still, that doesn't change the fact that they were getting blown off the ball. And, and a lot of Jacobs' uh, damage, not only on that 86-yard touchdown run in overtime, but on uh, just a lot of plays before that, it was right up the gut They're running it, you know, right down their throats. And, you know, he had some success uh, getting the ball on the edge on toss plays, but by and large, it was, they were running straight at Seattle to the point where, you know, I thought Josh McDaniels sort of did Seattle a favor. There was that fourth down play yeah, where they pitch, you know, they try to go to, yeah, they Ridiculous. pitch it to the outside when yeah. it's fourth and inches. First choice would be a Derek Carr sneak. And if not, it's you're giving the ball to Josh Jacobs going up the middle, but they didn't. And so he was also doing some damage on the outside too. It was just, it was just a total failure against him. And with all that being said, Joe, all of the stuff that we noticed about the Seahawks inept defensive performance on Sunday. They had the ball twice with a chance to win. They had the ball at the end of regulation with a minute 54 to get a field goal. Couldn't do it. They had the ball at midfield-ish after a long field goal attempt that went awry in overtime. They needed 15 yards, 20 yards to get a long field goal attempt to win the game. They couldn't do it. Two main reasons. Number one, they couldn't run the ball, and they kept trying. On the second down play in overtime, they had gotten five yards on a pass play on the first down. So it's second and five. They run Kenneth Walker right in the middle, stonewalled from negative one, and now it's third and six, and the Raiders can tee off. And then the other thing is they couldn't protect. He was under pressure all day, and we got to put that into its proper perspective. The Raiders were the worst pass-rushing team in the NFL coming in. They had 13 sacks, 13 sacks coming in. Opposing quarterbacks against the Raiders defense had a passer rating of 106.1. That's 32nd, worst in the NFL. And yet the rookie tackles just couldn't get the job done and couldn't give Geno consistent time to get something done down the field. It's worth noting the caveat of Max Crosby has some of the best pass rushing numbers in terms of total pressures, win percentage, stuff like that okay. of any pass rusher in football. Okay. So he is, it is sort of this outlier of he is so good despite this Raiders defense that's so inept across the board otherwise. So your point's not void. I, I'm not telling, I'm not arguing with you, but it is worth noting Max Crosby in my opinion, I think most people's opinions, a top 10 pass rusher in football. He's a guy who can wreck a game and he was a big difference in this one. Totally. He was getting home and there wasn't anyone in that Seahawks pass rush who could get anywhere near Derek Carr. The huge storyline of the game, just as much as the running games were. Yeah, it, it is a shame. 
you know, I think that the DK play that was, you know, reviewed for 30 minutes and then overturned is a tough break that goes against you. You get the ball in midfield and overtime with a field goal to win it. You, you got to get the job done, period. Um, but you look at the great throws that Geno Smith made. Shane Waldron looked like he was totally in control. Uh, I mean, some of the Seahawks touchdown drives were easy button touchdown drives where it was just rhythmic chunk play after chunk play wide open guys. I mean, it was really impressive. You're not wrong. I just have a hard time going down the road of blaming the offense too significantly when the defense to me got so lucky on a number of occasions that Josh McDaniels either a didn't go for it on fourth and one in one situation. Um, and then B that toss play to the outside, like, like Brady was just discussing. I think Josh McDaniels did his team a disservice in a number of areas on Sunday. I can go down the list of 10 things deep before we want to start nitpicking Gino, where the fumble was brutal on the mesh, whether it was, you know, Kenneth Walker's fault or if Gino's trying to keep it and it just didn't work. And then the pick was bad, but even the pick, you've got two guys crossing. They run into Denzel Perryman where how much of that really is on Gino. So he wasn't flawless by any stretch. The offensive line certainly wasn't uh, the running game. You want to see more from, but, but again, I just have a hard time lamenting too much on that when you have a defense that was on its heels for entire four quarters. Brady, should we be talking about the play that looked like a fumble on the game tying drive at the end of regulation by the Raiders that was not reviewed? Did anybody talk? Did any pool reporter talk to the officials? They wanted to say that that the forward progress had stopped when clearly it looked like it was one of those plays that we see all the time, a running back not down because he's on the defender, and typically he rolls off of the defender for another yard or two, and they give him that yard or two because right. he wasn't down. But in this case, a fumble that probably should have been a fumble wasn't even reviewed, and as Joe says, 10 minutes later, they took 30 minutes to review a DK Metcalf catch on the sideline. And the announcers say, what do the announcers say? Well, they got to take their time on this now. This is a big play. <laughs> they got to take their time and, and do this slowly. When five minutes earlier, play of the day in terms of the fumble, they didn't take 10 seconds to take a look at it. Yeah, and I don't think they had a choice because once the play once you know the play is ruled dead there and they, and they rule that forward progress has been stopped, then that's it. But that doesn't change the fact that you're right. That is a play where a lot of times you see a running back, um, he sort of gets tackled and, and as he's going to the ground, he lands on the guy tackling him and he bounces right up and, and yeah. keeps going. And yeah. that, that's not like a common thing that happens, but it does happen. And the play is usually allowed to keep going. Um, you know, the Seahawks were on the wrong end of a somewhat similar play earlier in the game. Remember Ken Walker lost like 13 yards on a run where he wasn't on the ground, but he was sort of stopped in the backfield and a guy had his arms wrapped around him. And a lot of times you see officials blow the play dead there. What happened there instead was it kept going and Walker sort of tried to retreat out and he ended up losing more yards. I think it was a 13 yard loss on first down. So basically that, that drive is pretty much over at that point. Um, so I thought that was a, a tough call, them blowing the official, blowing the play dead there. Now, I can see where they were coming. I can see why they overturned uh, the DK Metcalf Yeah, I do. Play. I think they made the right yeah. call. It took a long time to do it. I think they made the right call on that play. Yes. Yeah, it, it wasn't that the ball hit the ground. But the, no. the, the explanation was that he was yeah. sort of juggling it as he was going out of bounds. I think that was legit. The other one, that's iffy. Joe, let's go back to the Raiders passing game because what we noticed is Devontae Adams didn't do a lot, 
But whatever he did do seemed to always be against Mike Jackson. It seems like these teams now have settled into what we've seen many years before with teams that have great corners. That they just go away. They just they just go away from that corner if that corner is not going to follow the best receiver on the other team. We talked about this for years about Richard Sherman. He, for years, played one side, allowing the offense to take their great receiver and go the other side and play that receiver against other defensive backs. You agree that that's what we're seeing now? Teams just focus on whoever the corners are not named Tariq Woolen. Yeah, absolutely. And the broadcast talked about that where – sorry, didn't talk about that. They referred to, oh, the Raiders have moved Devontae Adams all over. Well, I'm not sure they really did. I I guess maybe to the point of, you know, whether it's in the slaughtery outside, but they were very um, specific about not lining him up from Tariq Woolen, which is smart. If you know someone's best corner is not going to travel with you, which Pete Carroll has never done all the way back to the heyday of the Legion of Boom. Yeah, why would you go best on best just for the the ego of saying we're going to go best on best and let, well, no, we're going to get our guy in a mismatch situation. That's what good coaches do. And yeah, I think, you know, there were times where Mike, Mike Jackson f- competed really well and uh, he had a P uh, pass breakup on, on one instance and got away with a, a hold or pass interference downfield where he's holding hands with Devonte Adams and Devonte Adams just makes a one hand catch and you know, you tip your cap there. But, you know, I think about the, there was a third and two, and Mike Jackson's giving him like eight yards of cushion and it's just a quick out. And it's a, it's, it's a layup pass for, for Derek Carr. And it's, it is tough because you have to toe the line of, you don't want to get beat with the big play, but you saw, you have to find ways to be competitive down to down. And I guess seven for 74, you probably take if you're the Seahawks, but it also doesn't mean a whole lot when you gave up 6 million rushing yards. So I, I don't know. I, you know, I'm curious to see if they start integrating Trey Brown down the road. I think in, in this one, maybe you just thought that was too difficult to match up to come out of a hiatus of, of a year plus a big injury and say, OK, hey, we know they're going to target you with Devontae Adams, one of the best receivers in all of football. We want to ease you in more than that. But I am curious to see the decisions they make there moving forward. I saw Trey Brown out there for a couple of plays early in the game. I don't know if we saw him a ton after that. I'm with you. I think that's partly a fact of, you know, this is his first game in a year basically. And uh, you know, with the way the Raiders were basically keeping Devonte Adams on that side of the field, I, I wonder too, if they didn't want to sort of overexpose him in his first action back. I think it's interesting. You know, Joe brings up a good point that they, almost never have asked a cornerback to travel. Um, I I think Richard Sherman may have done it like once or twice uh, during his career, but by and large, they have always, you know, stuck to sides. And I sort of wonder if, if at some point, I don't think it's going to happen mid year, but down the road, if Tariq Woolen continues to be as good as he looks like he is, and he looks like an all pro cornerback, I do wonder if they're going to move him over to the left side. That's where you want your best cornerback, just because most of almost all but one quarterback, uh, all but Mitch's guy to uh, is right-handed and defensive players will tell you that quarterbacks like to throw and the numbers bear this out. I remember doing a story on this a few years ago, quarterbacks like to throw to the right side uh, because that's where their first read is as they sort of take their drop and they open up the, it's, it's not a huge difference, but it's enough to where you would want your best cornerback on the left side. Tariq Woolen is clearly the Seahawks' best cornerback, and I do wonder if they're going to make that move at some point. I don't think it's going to happen mid-year, though. So before we get to who was doing some work this weekend, this week, last week, 
here on the Seahawks No Table presented by Taco Time Northwest and their continuing efforts to add to their team at TacoTimeNW.com. Let me just ask you how you guys feel now in the wake of two really bad performances. One in Germany that we dismissed because it was the field in a weird game. Then at home against the Raiders, you've got a Rams team that doesn't seem to be able to beat anybody. I don't know whether Stafford will be back this week, whether they're going to go against this no-name quarterback in Los Angeles and a Panthers team that, while not very good, is capable. We saw capable on Sunday really beat the heck out of the Denver Broncos, helping out the uh, the Seahawks draft choices next year in the in the NFL draft. Joe, what do you think? Are we seeing the bubble burst here? And the Seahawks getting ready to just go back to being the team that we thought they were going to be? Or at now six and five, do you fancy their chances of getting back, winning some football games and getting into the playoffs? Yeah, I think you have to look at, at what Washington has ahead of them as well. They have two against the Giants. They have the Niners, Dallas. Uh, the Browns and the Cowboys. So it's very possible Despite them playing really good football, they've won six of seven. They've been on fire. One of the hottest teams in, in the entire league that they go two and three down the stretch with five weeks to go. They still are yet to have their bye week, but that is now the team. I think even ahead of the Niners that your scoreboard watching commanders games at this point and giants, the giants have and a giants. really, if you look at their schedule, they've got a really hard schedule the last sure. five weeks. Yeah. I think it's eight teams for seven spots. But are the Seahawks, do you feel like these last two games is a harbinger of things to come? Forget the other teams that they're duking it out with. Or are okay. they going to bounce back and play the kind of football that they played during that middle stretch where they were competent on defense and really good on offense? I'm still bullish, you know? I mean, I still think they're capable. The defensive stuff is, is certainly worrisome. But I believe in the offense. And I mean, I what I watched on Sunday was a ton of fun and Gino was electric. And I know it's sort of boomer bust right now with Kenneth Walker, but man, when, when the, the, two, the two touchdown runs he had were highlight reel. So yes, I still am bullish on them being, you know, a coin flip team to make the playoffs, but certainly capable of doing so given the schedule that's ahead. Yeah. The goal should be 10 wins. Get the 10 wins. I I think that gives you a pretty good chance of getting in the playoffs. You got to win four of your final six. I think it's important to keep in mind that the Raiders, they were a three and seven team heading into this game, way more talented than a three and seven record suggests. That's a team that's lost a ton of close games. And obviously they've got a lot of weapons. I think the Ra the Raiders are better than we thought they were. And it looks like the Seahawks aren't as good as it looked like they were when they won four straight games. I still think they've got a heck of a chance to be in the playoffs but it's looking more and more like that's going to be a wild card team. They're faltering while the 49ers uh, are hitting their stride. I mean, there's not many teams that you watch and say they're untouchable. I mean, the Niners scored 13 points on Sunday and they granted they pitched a shutout against the saints, but I do think it, when you look at the Seahawks and their flaws, it's easy to say they're doomed because of X, Y, and Z without looking at the flaws of other teams as well. And so that's why I wanted to bring it up initially. And you mentioned the giants is it, it's kind of a weird scheduling quirk in week 13. It's giants commanders. The commanders have a bye week in week 14. Then it's giants again, in week 15, their next two games are mm. against the same team. And it's sort of good news, good news for the Seahawks that someone's going to lose. And as long as the Seahawks it, just run your race, find a way to take care of business against the Rams and Panthers. And then 
we'll see where things are shaping up, you know, as you head into a big week 15 game against the Niners. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Seahawks no table with Joe Fan and uh, Brady Henderson. It's a loss. Taco time. And we always celebrate those that like to do some work. And uh, th- this episode will be no different. I'm taking Michael Penix. I'm taking the Washington Huskies right off the gun, right off the board so that Joe can't swipe him under my nose. Michael Penix with like 470 yards in the Apple Cup win. And now they await a USC win over Utah. And if that happens, it'll be off to the Rose Bowl for the University of Washington. So who was doing some work? You must have an editor or a boss, Brady, or or a janitor over in Bristol, Connecticut, or somebody that you can tell us was doing some work this week. I'm never going to live that down. Am I? <laughs> I think I did. I've tried to show some love to my coworkers, tried to be a good teammate. And uh, I just get endlessly harangued for it. You love the word harangue, by the way. That's Mitch loves to harangue me. So <laughs> that's exactly what it is. Look, you took the obvious one. I guess I'll go with the next obvious one. Are we, we're allowed to pick uh, teams, uh, players from the, teams that the Seahawks lost to, right? Josh Jacobs was doing a whole lot of work. I wish I would have saved the Bo Jackson stat because that really would have uh, hit nicely <laughs> in this segment. I'm not going to give it to you again, but um, uh, yeah, Josh Jacobs, you know the story by now. I'm not going to remind you, but he was clearly doing some work. Which brings us to Joe Fan at WinBet in Las Vegas. Yeah, we're doing work, not to veer too far off from it, but I think it's worth noting we didn't do a KP segment. We all would have been wrong on this one as we as we turn the page. That's why we didn't 14. do it. We skipped the yeah. hole. We just skipped the hole. Too we hard of a hole. The hole. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was 225 into the, into wind, the wind, long par three, yeah. and we just said, I don't want to lose. There's well, water all over the place. I didn't want to lose yeah. any balls. So we you just don't want to lose hole. a pro V on that no, one. No, you don't. Um, you know what? I, I, this might be unpopular with people who listen. I, I, I'm going to go with Geno Smith. Um, 27 of 37, 328, two touchdowns, the pick. The, the turnovers weren't great. I'd love to, to, you know, talk to him and maybe, you know, Pete Carroll mentioned it after the game of really whose fault the fumble was. He was, he's just so fun to watch this year. And I mean, he has got such leadership of this offense and him and Shane Waldron seem to just work so beautifully together. It, it was the, it was the way he scrambled and, and used his legs, not just to run, but also to just extend plays, get outside the pocket. You know, what was it? It was uh, it was after Kenneth Walker's, 13 Homer. yard loss Homer. The very next play he escapes left out of the pocket. And what was Beautiful. it? Travis Homer. Yeah. The very next play for Beautiful. 23 or 25 and a first yeah. down. I mean, he, he made, you know, the mistake on the interception, the Raiders score right after, what couple plays later, they're back in the end zone. It's a beautiful pass to Tyler Lockett down the sideline. He had a, a beautiful ball to DK early in the game in the first half. I mean, I, I just, nothing I saw on Sunday changes any of my opinions. If anything, just affirms my opinions. I mean, Geno Smith is is a dude that they need to, to work to, to keep. And it becomes seemingly more and more apparent that these first round picks they've got coming, maybe yeah. a top five pick if yeah. Denver continues to just flail and, and spiral out of control. If you can get defensive line help, they're so desperate in need of it because right now it doesn't look like Daryl Taylor or Boye Mafe is what is what they need. And what they need is a Max Crosby type dude coming off the edge. Um, Gino just continues the ball. For me, he was doing some work despite the miscues. Um, he was very impressive. You score 34 points in the game. You expect to win that game. It's funny, uh, Brady. I know you wanted to mention something. 
But as Joe is talking, there are a lot of people, there are a lot of 12s, a lot of Seahawks fans that are going the other way on social media on Geno Smith. A lot. There's been a lot of Geno Smith bashing, no good in the first half, throwing interceptions, fumbling the ball. And it's funny, Brady, I tend to completely agree with Joe, and I'll underscore it by saying this. He did everything that Joe just said with no running game and really no protection. The Raiders were on him all day, all day. Even when they didn't get to him, they were all over him all day. So now take his stats and take his good plays and take his bailing them out of really desperate situations, second and longs, third and longs, and do it with a team that can't run the ball and can't protect him. And think about what he was able to do, especially in that second half. I I tend to completely agree with Joe. Yeah, it was not his best performance, certainly not his cleanest performance of the season, but I thought it was pretty good under the circumstances that you just mentioned. And we're learning that one of the things that Gino does really, really well is make throws on the run. And the one that comes to mind is the little lob to Travis Homer where he escaped the pocket, ran to his left, uh, that ended up being a big play. I, I don't think those are as easy as they look, especially when you're running to the left. He continues to make plays with his legs. And I just, I go back to thinking how silly it seems now, but that was the one area where it seemed like Drew Locke really had an advantage is, you know, the younger, seemingly more spry guy that, that that would be an area of his game where he had an advantage over Geno Smith. I think Drew Locke's plenty mobile, but Geno Smith is showing that he is as well at 32 years old. That said, a little bit uneven in this game. You know, there was the, there was the interception that he threw. And now Pete Carroll said that uh, he didn't mention Tyler Lockett by name, but he said that they ran a um, the wrong route. There was some sort of route running air on that play. He also said that knowing that Geno Smith probably should have eaten that ball. Uh, there was also that throw going the other way into the South end zone uh, where it was initially a, a pick and then it got overturned. Um, that was a needlessly, I think aggressive throw when you're already in field goal range, you're throwing off your back foot into tight coverage there. Um, Now the fumble, I I don't know exactly what happened there. Clearly he was trying to pull it back on a read option. He was, it's hard to say whose fault was that did Ken Walker not, you know, pull off of the ball the way he needed to. I don't know what happened there, but under the circumstances, you you hate to see two turnovers because he's done a really nice job by and large to taking care of the football. Football, uh, but I think it's the context, as you mentioned, is important here. If your big takeaway from that game is I'm upset with Geno Smith, I can't help you. <laughs> Everything Brady said is absolutely factual, but my goodness, if if you look at that game and think, oh, Geno Smith's no longer the guy. It's, the Seahawks yeah. no table, Joe Fan in Las Vegas win bet. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, guys. And Brady Henderson, ESPN Seahawks insider. Follow him at ESPN.com. We'll all get together again on Thursday night for the preview of the Rams game, which will be released on Friday morning to patrons. Thank you, Brady. You betcha. Well, I'll be damned. Look, look who it. All right. That was corny. That was corny. Dan Black, president of Zeke's Pizza, is back with us. I'm Mitch Unfiltered. What's the latest over there, Dan? How's Zeke's doing? Oh, very corny. That's even cornier <laughs> than the nicknames. It's funny, though. Uh, uh, what's new over here? You know, it's it's fall time and lots of football, uh, lots of pizza, lots of beer. We're transitioning here to a new beer lineup. Fall has its own rhythms, uh, moves a little bit more towards delivering takeout and away from dine-in a little bit. But people are coming in to watch football in our bars and stuff. And so we're like probably most of the listeners here is we're, yeah. we're rooting, for, rooting for the Hawks and enjoying that. I'll tell you what, anybody who's listened to Unfiltered knows that you guys are growing like a weed. Spokane is humming along. A visitor, too, from a certain Gonzaga basketball coach 
Boise, Idaho is on the way. That'll represent the first restaurant outside of the Washington State. And I was wondering, going back to the beginning, was that always the idea, the wide, wide footprint going outside of the state of Washington, Dan? Yeah, Mark Few asked for you while he was over there. I told him you'd be right over. I did. It wasn't necessarily when it started. Uh, Doug and Tom, our founders, it was more basic than that. They really wanted to kind of live the ultimate Northwest lifestyle. And to them, that meant powder skiing and windsurfing. And <laughs> they had lame jobs in Anderson Consulting that really didn't allow them to do a lot of that. So they, you know, they founded Zeke's to have kind of the independence and be able to build the life they want. And, you know, we continue to do that through our franchising. That's a cool thread from our origin. But pretty soon after we started, it became clear that we were definitely the pizza place that had kind of Northwest values at its roots. And it became clear that we could become the Northwest pizza place. And, you know, one foot in front of the other all these years, we're on the verge of actually doing that. You mentioned that we're uh, getting ready to open Boise. That's on track for February. And, you know, we're working on Portland and it looks like that has a good chance of happening. And so between those two things, we actually will be the real Northwest pizza place. It'll be great. Incredible. Feels like winners really snuck up on us. Zeke's has always had the best local beer selection. We've talked about that. And you've always said that there are certain brews that go well with this time of year. What are those? Yeah, you know, winter beers, they heavy is the wrong term, but they're a little bit more high octane and drink one or two or so. We just got a new batch of Zeke and Destroy that hit uh, restaurants a couple of days ago. And, and Zeke and Destroy is one of our flagships. It's one of the ones that you can only get at Zeke's. We talk about all the beers that you can only get at Zeke's. And that's one of the most popular ones for sure. So we just got a new batch of kegs in for that. It's in most of the restaurants. And like I say, it's high octane. It's a double IPA. It's almost 9%. So proceed with caution, but they're really tasty and they they go really well in winter. So, Oh, Zeke's Pizza. Download the app. Great partners of Mitch Unfiltered. Homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. Where would you like to begin on the official Other Stuff segment of episode 216? You want to hear about Terrell Owens knocking a man out outside of CVS in Los Angeles? And, Did he really? And it's all on video? Well, I thought you might... We're starting with wide receivers that got a foul. <laughs> OBJ on Sunday? Yeah, that too. Woo! How about the timing of that? He's just getting ready to go like on the... He's on a big recruiting trip, Everybody right? wants OBJ. Yeah, and he's yeah. going to sign it. And then you get up on Sunday and he's God. like being taken off. Planes are being evacuated right. in Miami. Yeah, he's dozing in you and out You go first on Terrell. Dave, not Terrell Davis. She's a Terrell, Terrell Owens. Owens yeah. yeah. So he intended to quickly stop by the store, grab a, grab a few necessities. While inside, T.O. says a 49ers fan approached him and they had oh. a friendly conversation. Yeah. But that's when things took a turn. He says a second man, the guy who was ultimately clocked, started talking crap to the nice fan that Owens was conversing with. Uh-oh. The aggressor threatened to beat up both of them outside, according to witnesses. And Jeez. they eventually made their way outside to the sidewalk. And you know, he's trying to play peacemaker, T.O. And fortunately, the heckler allegedly started the confrontation just minutes earlier, took an unprovoked swing. I, I don't know if you've seen T.O. lately, but he's a guy who hasn't stopped working out. He's enormous, and he's got like 2% body fat. So the guy took still. a swing at T.O.? Took a swing I at I thought he was mad at the other guy. Yeah, but he told them both he's going to kick both their asses. So he called them both out. Yeah. So they both went out there. Right. But that was clearly a mistake, and the fight was on, and T.O. landed a looping right punch oh, right yeah, to the guy's really? chin. Really? Sent him to the pavement, and police were not called, and everyone just moved on with their life, I guess. <laughs> just another day in California or wherever else. You want was. my response to that? <laughs> yes. T.O. had nothing to worry about if Sean Springs was thrown. Ah, woo Sharpie time! We really don't give that play enough credit. Like we should be talking about that every day. On the podcast? 
in life. Just like go talk to your wife about it at breakfast every day. The fact that he not only carried the Sharpie in his leg during like how many other games did he do it where he didn't score? The fact that he had it in his sock. Okay. He scores on Sean catches it, throws the ball in Sean's suite. Remember they had the sweets. Yeah, I remember the whole, I um, try to forget the I whole remember. thing is just insane that he did that. We, we, we don't give that enough credit. And that that Sean, how about Sean Springs, reaction to the whole thing. I remember not liking it. He was, he was suspiciously okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it feel like he really didn't he give a never, crap. He never, he yeah. never for as talented as a guy. And I know that you and team. Oh no, yeah. That's you right. guys big, are big buddies. Big buddies. Oh, yeah, big buddies yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, so. yeah. But he never struck me as a guy who cared that much. I think some of the guys in the NFL play it because it's an easy way to make good money. Doesn't mean they love the game, you know? But then there's other guys that just like are obsessed with the game. How are I you think he not was one of those? How are you not pissed off to high hell yeah. that a guy just beat you and pulled a freaking pen out of his How are you not like I know. ready to throw yeah. on that? I know. He was laughing about it. He thought the whole thing was funny. I I it just no. Do you remember when No when, on Sean Springs? The whole no. routine when they during the Cowboys Niners when they were going to the star. And T.O. stood yeah, on the oh star. Yeah. That, oh, yeah, they, they clocked him from behind. Well, that's Somebody. the kind of reaction you would expect, right? By, Teague. From Sean I, I think his name was Teague. Teague, yeah. Came from behind from on a full sprint. Exactly right. And knocked him into tomorrow. They did tomorrow. He knocked him into tomorrow. <laughs> but that's what Let's you Let's go. Expect. What are we waiting for? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I just know I can say that. You'll oh, love I love time. it every time. <laughs> <laughs> the eyes. Are... All right, go ahead. At approximately 9.30 a.m. on Sunday, officers yeah. from the Miami... Am I allowed to do this story? I know. Miami-Dade Police Dade Department. County, Florida, every time. We're dispatched to a medical emergency at an American <laughs> Airlines flight. It was an American Airlines flight from Miami to California, Los Angeles. The flight crew was concerned for a passenger named Mr. Odell Beckham. They were mm. concerned for him. Okay. You see, they tried to wake him to fasten his seatbelt, but he appeared to be in and out of consciousness prior to their departure. Fearing that Mr. Beckham was seriously ill, in and out of consciousness, yes. not be able to fasten a seatbelt, and that his condition would worsen through the expected five-hour flight. And by the way, it's more than five hours. I just took it. The attendants called for the police and fire rescue. Upon the officer's arrival, the flight crew asked Mr. Beckham several times to exit the, exit the aircraft, which he refused. The aircraft was then deplaned, at which time Mr. Beckham was asked by the officers to now exit the plane because now all the other passengers are gone. Yeah. And he did so without incident. Yep. Mr. Beckham was then escorted to the non-secure area of the terminal by the officers where he made other arrangements. He was not arrested and everybody's day went on. What do you make of that? What what does that mean? What are, what are they trying to tell us here? I don't know. Maybe he was maybe he's intoxicated? A no. Why no? Why do you rule that out? I don't know. Maybe he's not a maybe he's a nervous flyer. I don't know. Maybe he just has to have a, a couple of belts before he gets on a plane and he had I don't know. Who knows? Maybe he took a sleeping pill trying to sleep through the flight and I don't know. It's a bad look though, especially when you're trying to have, you know, people court you throughout the league to find a new a new employer and you can't even stay conscious for the flight. Bad luck for him. Mm. Did you see the Sean Taylor? You remember Sean Taylor, the of course. commander? Of course. What? Sean Taylor, the football player from Miami, who was killed. Yeah, but uh, played Yo, for Washington. Commander, you the, commanders, the Commanders, yeah. yeah. whatever. He was honored by his whole team with a life-size memorial and his... People were pissed about it. Did you see why? It was... It was it's people, not a statue. It's kind of a... It was, it was pretty bad. A mannequin. It's a, it's a wire mannequin that was wearing former <laughs> number and vintage Washington uniform from when he played. For starters, the gear's all mismatched. 
It's a Nike jersey, Reebok pants, and Adidas cleats that look like soccer cleats. The fact that they couldn't even get all the same branding together speaks volumes and whoever the hell put this together. If you watch the video, the moment the drape was pulled off, you could actually see his family looking on the right side and they look a little underwhelmed. As that thing is unveiled, just, oh my god, it's like oh, hollow. God. It just it just looks thrown together. Just another embarrassment for that <laughs> franchise. They can't even get that right. The franchise that's in the playoffs of the season uh, ended today is that right? Are out. God, oh god, that's yeah, right. Who's yeah, keeping track? Yeah. yeah. You a big uh, Thanksgiving Day dog show watcher? No. Well, they consider. I watch it, this dog, the one that's at your feet right now. It's it's usually considered counter programming to football, but this year the there's a connection between the two because the top dog in the in the country or the world, whatever it is, has an NFL connection. Winston, a three year old French bulldog, won best in show at the 21st annual National Dog Show. Now he's partly owned by LA Chargers defensive end Morgan Fox. So there mm-hmm. you go. Congrats to Winston, best in show. Are you following the college football coaching? Coaching news. No, tell me. Well, David Shaw stepped down at Stanford. Okay. After all those years, I think he's got the fifth most Pac-12 wins in history, although Stanford's been the shits for like the last five years. Terrible. He had some good teams for a while. Yeah, and at one point he was like a hot property and he was going to be an NFL coach, people were saying. Now, now he's out at Stanford. How about the new head football coach of Nebraska named Matt Rule? Do you know that name? I do know the name, and I, I yeah, I, I saw the headline, but what's the he, controversy? Well, it's not a controversy. He turned around the Temple program. Okay. Then he turned around the Baylor program. Then he got a job for David Tepper and the Carolina Panthers. He got all kinds of money, and he stunk there, and they fired him, and they, had, they owed him all kinds of money. Now he's going to take the Nebraska coach. So Nebraska says Matt Rule's going to be the guy to come in and turn us around. But what's interesting about that is that just before Matt Rule took the coaching job, there were some whispers going on as to who would be the next head coach. Okay, I contend that it was going to be Matt Rule all along. But in a very shrewd way, the agent of a coach by the name of Kalen DeBoer started whispering, hey, we got some calls from Nebraska. Oh, gotcha. A million bucks. <laughs> new contract for Kalen DeBoer. He got a million extended, dollar right? <laughs> got to two, t- 2028. That's a hell of an age. Going to make $4.3 next year. Yep. The guy hasn't even finished his first year right, on right. the job, and he's already getting a new deal. Now, Washington would never admit that they did this out of fear that he might leave for Nebraska, yeah. they would say, oh, my God, look at the year he had. Yeah, He's 10 We're going to do it anyway. We're gonna, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 We're gonna, that's, the, that's the kind of people I would, I got a yeah, feeling. Well. I think they pulled the wool over Washington's eyes for an extra million. You're only as important as your leverage, and you got to get it somehow and leave it to your agent to come up with it for you. So Good Kalen for DeBoer gets a new contract through 2028. He'll make $4.3 million next year. This probably won't do much for you, but the iconic home from The Goonies. You probably didn't like The Goonies. You might be a tad old for that movie. No, I don't know. The People Goonies. my age absolutely love it. People yeah. two years older than me can't relate to it. But the home from The Goonies, which is actually in Astoria, Oregon, it went on the market just a few days ago with a $1.65 million asking price. Three bedrooms, two baths, sweeping views of the Oregon coast. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the house was built in 1896. It was filtered in Spielberg's movie, The Goonies, in 85. And it has been sold, but no one knows who the new buyer is. The owner lived there for 21 years, but says gotcha. she's ready for the next phase of her life and decided to sell. Could have been all, all of ours. Well, the University of Washington football's win at the, the Apple Cup on Saturday night wasn't the only UW success over the last 
several days. Can I get a round of applause yeah. for Mike Hopkins and the Washington basketball oh, team? I like I like that news. Winner winners of a little tournament in Anaheim. They won two straight and in the championship game. They beat a perennial a perennially solid St. Mary's team. Oh, okay, good. That yeah. typically is in the conversation for an NCAA tournament berth. They yeah. beat them in overtime. Great. PJ Fuller out of Nathan Hale and Garfield and <laughs> like six other local yeah. schools uh, came back to play after he played at Texas uh, a Christian University TCU. Okay. He made the three-point play the old-fashioned way to send it into OT. Great. And then Washington, after their loss to some Baptist team, yeah. went ahead and beat St. Mary's. All right. Randy Bennett beat St. Mary's in Anaheim, California to bring home the trophy and get their uh, get a little momentum for the 2020 I like to hear that. There I'm excited go. for college. I was there excited for them last year. I'm ready for some college basketball. Well, but there then you it, go. They had I, that, I got some good news for you. They had that Fakakta loss early on. I was like, oh boy, this ain't going to be this gonna be a long season. Guess who's officially single? You'll be excited about this one. Uh-oh. Your girl, Valerie Bertinelli. I know you used to like her back oh in the day. Oh my God. Officially single. Her divorce with Tom Vital was just finalized with some money changing hands and a get the hell out order issued. The judge signed off on their dissolution Tuesday, so they're both unattached in the eyes of law. There was a prenuptial agreement. Valerie has to shell out a bit over, let's see, a bit uh, to her next husband, 11 years. She has to shell out $2.2 million, a Ooh. one-time cash out payment in Ooh. return. Tom has to get the hell out of their Malibu house by the end of the year or else he has to pay rent that they decide fair market value. Now, you're curious, what would it cost to live in the house that he's in? How much a month if he had to stay? They say about $50,000 a month or $1,600 a day to stay in their Malibu home. So, yeah, he may want to go ahead and pack up. But Valerie Bertinelli is on the market if you're interested. She was married to that Van Halen fella, wasn't she? She was married to the Van Halen fella. Yep. Edward, rest in peace. Yes. Oh, Eddie Van Halen passed away. Yeah, I did oh. a podcast. He's still in the show as well. No, 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 I know, but that's the one she was married to. Yeah, for yeah, but not when he passed, obviously. Oh, they were divorced. They were divorced before yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. This tragic news that we have discussed on this podcast, not in the last many, many months, but you'll recall that last year, that Stanford soccer goaltender, Katie Meyer, mm-hmm. took her own life. Do you remember that? I do, yes. Her family has filed a lawsuit against Stanford. Oh, boy accusing them of institutional bullying that directly led to her taking her own life. You may remember some of the details of the, of the story. Some, there was an incident a couple of weeks before she died. Okay. Between her and a football player. Apparently a football player was thought to have sexually assaulted one of her teammates. Okay. And she decided to let the, the football player know that she was not satisfied. And she threw coffee at him. Uh-oh. And I guess he had some minor burns or whatever. He reported this. And it went through some, some system, some court system at the university. And she got some letter. The letter outlined a potential removal from the university while placing her degree, which was three months away from getting, on hold. Oh. And her graduation on hold. And after getting that email from the school, she took her own life like the next day. The family is suing the school. There's no number attached to it, but suing the school and essentially pointing the finger at the school and calling them responsible for this young woman's death. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know all those details. Yeah. You just want to get a hold of her and say it's yes, it sounds bad right now, but 
just hang in there. It's just it, it's going to get better. It's that's not the end of everything. If even if your degree is on hold for now, you you can always get it. Wait, you know what I mean? It's just like it's such a bummer that nobody could have gotten to her. I mean, maybe it wouldn't have mattered. Maybe right. she, maybe she was already in that that dark place. But the God, other chapter to, to this story that you may or may not be interested in is is the school says we investigated the alleged sexual assault of the young woman on the soccer team, mm-hmm. and we found no. No evidence of wrongdoing. Okay. Or no evidence of what was being accused. Let's put it that way. Yeah. What a, the whole story is sad. You know, sometimes you Complete see tragedy. families trying to hang on to try to get something. Complete tragedy. It's not going to bring your daughter back, even if you do win. And yeah, the whole thing is such a tragedy. Awful. And now I got to tell you about Larza Pippen and Marcus Jordan dating. Thanks for that segue. <laughs> and what happened to the pictures I was supposed to see? Is Don on the phone? You remember I told you Larza Pippen, Scotty's ex-wife, and Michael's son were like seen together? Michael Jordan's son, Marcus Jordan? I do remember you saying something. I brought that, that yeah. up. They were like, no, we just went to lunch. We're just... It's out now. They are a thing. Scotty Pippen's ex-wife and Michael Jordan's son Scottie are Scotty Pippen's ex-wife or daughter? Uh, ex-wife. She's like 48. Scotty Pippen's ex-wife is dating Michael Jordan's daughter? Michael Jordan's son. Michael Jordan's son. Marcus Jordan. <laughs> yes. Now that's funny. That is kind of funny. That takes my mind off the Seahawks. So they, they went to the, the Chargers game, not this past Sunday, but the Sunday before, and a heckler went hard at him and it's all on video yeah. the 48 year old pippin and jordan 31 were posted up at some pretty nice seats at sofi stadium when somebody yelled hey larza that's what you're doing you're with the boy mike's son you a cold mother effer ain't you you're cold as a mother effer homie <laughs> of course the heckler's referring to scotty and michael remember they had the beef after the last dance and oh, the whole thing and god anyway yeah so uh people are going hard and then share Dating a 36-year-old Well, right that now. doesn't surprise anybody. But, Actually, 36 is a little old for her. <laughs> 36? How old is Cher? I would guess Cher 75 years old. Cher is 76 years old. How about that? Hell of a guess right I there. I can't come up with a sports name, but <laughs> right. Cher's age. 36-year-old music exec, Alexander Edwards. They've been seen together, spending a lot of time in her Malibu home. You remember the one that's on the market for $85 million? <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, all right. That, that home. 40-year that, age gap. So she's... The, the age gap is more than the years he's been on Earth. That's crazy. She dated Sonny Bono in like the 60s. She's married to Sonny Bono, wasn't <laughs> I know, she? I, I guess, yeah. Come on, she was Sonny like, and Cher. By the way, we're all just cool with him marrying a 17-year-old or 16-year-old back then. We all just kind of looked the Who other did? way. Who did? Sonny. She was like a, a high schooler. You didn't know that? No, no, no. I don't know that. It was a simpler time when like Jerry Lee Lewis could marry his 14-year-old oh, cousin and you know, we all just looked the other way. Anyway. I think 36, 37 is old for her. She, yeah, maybe it is. We'll see. That's probably the oldest guy she's ever dated. Think about when you're like when you were 20 or 21 and someone said, hey, you want to date a 76-year-old? You would, 76 would have sounded so old to us when we were like in our 20s or 76. But now that I am 76. <laughs> that's right. I think, oh my God. Could Crazy. Neon Deion Sanders be coming to the Pac-12 hotshot, Scott? Ooh, interesting. Rumors have Sanders being interviewed by the Colorado Buffaloes for their vacant head wow. football coaching job. I don't need that as a Pac-12 fan. You think that would be bad for the rest of the Pac-12? I do. Or I, good for the Pac-12? What did he do at the cockamamie school he's at? Well, yeah. You got their number one player in the country to go there? Yeah, one of them, yeah. Yeah, right. Okay, so it would be. I think it would probably be bad for other schools in the Pac-12 if he goes there. Tiger and Charlie are back. Tiger Woods and his son Charlie will compete in that father-son tournament again this year where they almost won last year. They lost to the Dailies by one shot. December the 17th and 18th, it was one of the most watched golf 
broadcast of the year. <laughs> yeah. Tiger and his son, Charlie, who I think is 13 or 14 now. He's, I think he's Piper's age. I remember. So I think he's 13. 13. Yeah. Oh, she had a thing for him, didn't she? I think so. Yeah. I think she was intrigued by. She's uh, only twice the size of him. Tiger, that's true. She'll <laughs> knock his ass out. That's the problem. <laughs> She'll post him up <laughs> no for qu- sure. No question. Antonio Brown won't go away. No, he will not. He you know can't. what he did now? Yeah, he posted a, a, a nude, a fake nude. A fake nude of Giselle yeah. Brady. He can't stop. Yeah. He photoshopped. Now, he couldn't have. Did he photoshop No, those it? are out there. He's not doing oh. that. He took a photoshop picture of a naked woman yeah, and put there's... Giselle's face on him and sent it out and then deleted yeah. it. He and he and Tom Brady going back and forth. And then there's the Colombian judge. Oh, I like her. You know about the oh, Colombian sure. judge? Oh, sure. I know about the Colombian judge. Do you want to do the Colombian judge? I don't, I don't no. have it in front do of me. Do you want to do the <laughs> yeah, story yeah. of the Colombian judge? <laughs> I like what you said the first time better. She was caught on a Zoom, yes. laying in bed in her underpants, yes. smoking a cigarette. While working a hearing. Right, right. <laughs> like an official, like like a, I think a car bombing hearing. Oh, Lord. It was a virtual court hearing yeah. centered around debates over whether a man charged in 2021 car bombing Jesus. should be granted bail. This was not... I don't know. Send him to jail. Next. She was half naked and smoking a cigarette in bed. But there's other pictures of her floating around like in her underpants. Like she this is kind of her thing. And then she's I think she kind of does it on. I think the word is, is that she's spoken out about how she gets judged about the way she poses for pictures. I don't know about that. Yeah, because I saw another one of her, too, in her underpants. Just a random one. I'm like, is this her thing? Is this what she does? But yeah, the 34 year old judge named Vivian Polania. Yes. Vivian Polania can be seen lounging in bed, appearing half awake while taking a drag from a cigarette. At one point in the hearing, a prosecutor tells Polania that her camera is on and she immediately turned it off. Unreal. Overseeing a hearing about a 2021 car bombing. That, that's not going to be an appeal now if you're the lawyer for that guy. <laughs> Wait a second. The judge who sent me to jail was naked in her bed smoking a cigarette. Right. This should be God. thrown out. All right, I got an RIP. I got, I got a couple. RIP. Real quick, your buddy Jay Leno, he's shockingly okay? back on the road less than yeah, two weeks yeah, after yeah, he was yeah, yeah. burned in the car fire. We'll he, make more. His first stop was the same garage where it happened. He'll never stay away. Yeah. Tuesday, he drove himself, still visibly scarred on his face and hands to his Burbank garage where he keeps all his cars. And as you know, he was working on a vintage car that had a clogged fuel line when he got sprayed with gasoline, which then ignited and set him on fire. Now, luckily, his friend was there at the time to extinguish the flames. Saved his life. And by the way, Jay went on stage the night that we are recording this for a sold out comedy show. He can't stop. He can't stay. He's doing stand up tonight as we record. Sold out, by the way. He's been well, of course, of, it's sold out. Been out of the house. It wouldn't have been sold out had he not had the accident. I, I mean, yeah, I, guess, I mean, what's his first line going to be? I can't wait. He's, He's going to be taking. Yeah, he said something about a barbecue or yeah, something. Yeah, it'll be. He'll take yeah. some kind of shot at yeah. himself, but yeah. unreal. All right, you had an RIP. Irene Caro is 63 years old, singer-actress from the movie in 1980, Fame. Yep. If you're somebody of my age or a little bit older, you remember the movie Fame. She's a two-time Academy Award-winning singer. She won an Academy Award for a song from that Fame, the the soundtrack from mm-hmm. that one. And she also won a, an Academy Award from Flashdance. What a feeling, she, she said. She did, yep. 63 years old, no cause of death yet. Really sad news out of the state of Florida. I remember fame very well. I remember her as a singer very well. I loved a lot of the songs. She did one called Out Here on My Own Mm. that I love that's in my playlist that I listen to all the time. 
uh, gone at the age of 63. Yeah, the song from Flashdance actually hit number one on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. What a feeling. Smash, right? I mean, you remember, it was yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Fame peaked at number four, also a smash hit. But yeah, yeah, she was also an actress. She was in City Heat with Clint Eastwood and Burt Reynolds. She played opposite Tatum O'Neill in Certain Fury. And yeah, she was a, a ball of talent who passed away much too young. And then I have this one. I, I Freddie Roman passed away. Freddie Roman. Comedian. Freddie Roman. He's an OG comedian from New York City. Beloved figure in showbiz. He, he, uh, he's best remembered for his, as a Friars Club staple. He was once oh, the helm of the New York. Yeah, I mean, it's right up my head. I love all those. Yeah, Henny Youngman. And all, yeah, I love all those guys. Yeah. The famed New York City. Club. He was also afforded membership to tons of, of uh, comics and celebs over the years. Freddie Roman was the dean of the Friars dating back to the 90s until Larry King succeeded him in 2014. 85 years old, mm. Freddie Roman. And this one will do nothing for you. But for my horror movie fans, James Winburn, the stunt double for the Michael Myers character in the original Halloween has passed away. He was a veteran stunt performer. He doubled for Nick Castle's version of Michael Myers in the original Halloween, especially the scene where Michael gets shot and falls backwards over the balcony. Iconic scene. So rest in peace to James Winburn, 85 years old. Headlines. Married speed eaters break world records for eating hot dogs and a burrito. A competitive eating married couple set records. Sadly, the couple live in a studio apartment with one bathroom. A fisherman caught a massive goldfish weighing 67.4 pounds. Goldfish. The man wanted to take the goldfish home, but couldn't find a Ziploc bag that was big enough. A South Carolina man was arrested for tattooing a minor inside a McDonald's. He was caught tattooing a minor inside a McDonald's. Really? Yeah. Holy crap, the Happy Meal prizes are way better than they used to be. <laughs> and finally, a Beatles cassette was returned to a Texas library and it was 44 years overdue. This Beatles, Beatles cassette, cassette that someone to a checked library. out. 44 yeah. years overdue. Yeah. After calculating the amount of past due fines that were accumulated, turns out it would have been cheaper to hire the actual Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good one, Hodge. Thank you so much. Very I'll good. be here all week. Very yeah. good. 40 carries to Yeah. Yep. Oh I got to listen to some Freddie Roman on the way home. I love all those. Henny Youngman. You get Henny Youngman guy. Do you like love his style that. of humor? Do you really? Of course. You know, the, he's got so many. Henny Youngman, of course. You know, he, he asks, uh, what's the secret to a, a long marriage? Well, twice a week, my wife and I, we go to dinner. We, you know, we have some wine, some great food, some drinks. She goes Tuesdays, I go Fridays. <laughs> <laughs> on our honeymoon, we went to the same hotel. We got the same exact suite where we stayed on our wedding night, except for I cried in the bathroom for three hours this time. <laughs> Look at you. I, I love Henny. I could do I could do his whole act yeah. for him. He sounds hilarious. a little like Rodney Dangerfield, who said his, his wife wants to have sex in the backseat of a car. <laughs> yeah. She wants him to drive. <laughs> right. <laughs> I love that shit. Ladies and gentlemen, episode 216. We laugh because yeah. we're on the verge of crying. <sighs> Sorry about that, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Hopefully 217 after the, the game against the Rams will be better. Mitch Unfiltered, episode 216. Like it or not, in the books.